It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy's Seafood. And I'm just going to be totally transparent with the listeners. I don't know what we're the only Baltimore podcast to do this week. You know, honesty is the best policy. So we're just going to roll right into draft time, That's guys. It's, it's, I thought you were coming yeah. up with something there. That no, weird. no, I, I can't. It would have been a force. You know, I'm, a, I'm an honest guy. I'm an honorable guy. And to, to Man force of integrity something in you know, faith, intellect, all of those things. Um, I just, I just didn't, I just didn't, it didn't have the oomph and, and to, to cheat the people. I know everyone, I know everyone builds their week around what I'm going to say in that spot and to cheat the listeners by giving them something that I wasn't totally committed to. I just couldn't do. And I'm, as what's funny is I'm totally energized because, you know, a lot of times when we do the interview on the show, we've like recorded the show and then we do the interview. This week we flipped it. We did the interview and now we're recording the rest of the show in and out of it to, to get people on the seats. And Spencer Schultz has me fired up about the draft. I was sort of, you know, I love the draft, but I was kind of in. I've been in and out. You know, you, you get busy with things. And this isn't like a sexy draft from a quarterback perspective. So that kind of takes away some of the narrative. Uh, it's funny because the Ravens are picking high. So you would think they'll get someone that's a little more interesting than maybe, you know, picking the twenties as they normally do. But I, I was kind of lagging in the draft season and he has jolted me with energy. We have about an hour conversation with Spencer Schultz at Ravens for dummies um, on Twitter, just tremendous stuff. I mean, he, he should be, he should be on some sort of program. He absolutely should. He brings it both, uh, in terms of just knowing his shit, like it's, it's unbelievable. And also just have, you know, bringing some banter to the table and just kind of cracking some jokes and having fun with it. And uh, yeah, man, that guy knows his stuff. And I, listen, I, I've never claimed to be like a draft Nick, like a mock draft guy, a guy who like truly like sits down and like researches and watches film. I will never have and never will claim to be that guy particular year like doing tax uh, taxes again which i haven't done in four or five years thank me for my service i yeah, read that, by the way this, this is like draft. the fourth straight week we've thanked you for your tax yeah, thank service. me for my service uh i've probably read into or just like researched this draft less than any i can remember since i have started writing for barstool and all those things so this was just an unbelievable just what do you want to call it? A refresher, a, a uh, comprehensive full course. Wall. Like this is, yeah, this is, this is the whole thing, man. He, he crushed it. And I know he's got a lot more that he, he does too, that you can listen to watch whatever he's guy knows his stuff. Yeah. I mean, if, if you know, go to his Twitter for more of his content, we'll, we'll get to that conversation. And those guys are going to be him and Jay, our friend Jake, who's been on the show. Those guys are going to be live streaming during the, during the draft, but we'll get to that draft preview section. I'm, you know, that's really obviously the dominant Ravens storyline for the week, but we covered a lot of that in the interview with, with Spencer. So we'll get to that in a second, but we'll cover Orioles first. And really the downer in Baltimore sports for the week was the news that John means has to go through Tommy John surgery out for the season. You know, this was always the worst case scenario that was lingering after he had the injury and, you know, it was, you know, how long is he going to be out? And then, you know, you get put on, you know, the longest IL, you know, you can get put on and then, you know, eventually this comes out and the statement he put out was, you know, just sad to read um, after his, you know, journey to get to this point as a player. And, you know, he's getting to that point where he's trying to get paid to, and that's, you know, always a tough thing to see, you know, that's the human side of it. The baseball side of it is, this is obviously a giant loss for an Orioles team that, you know, we raved about the pitching last week and 
they've certainly been very good in a lot of areas, but you just lost your ace. And it's really hard to, for any team to replace their ace, much less a team that just does not have a lot of quality proven major league pitching depth. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you said it like we talked about it last week. They're pitching, and and again, I don't know if it's smoke and mirrors or whatever. I'm not expecting this pitching to to keep up, you know, for the rest of the season. I mean, they gave up 12 runs tonight. Again, it's a Yankee team, and, you know, that can hit the ball in that little ballpark. Um, but I mean, the means loss was huge, and and I think I talked about it last week. How I was like, I don't, I don't think he's going to pitch this year. I didn't know if he was getting Tommy John. I didn't, I didn't know if that's what it was going to come to. It sucked because it. It, it kind of just came out of nowhere on Saturday where I was, I think I was taking a little nap at like 1230, little afternoon Saturday nap. And I woke up to a, you know, the MLB alert that's saying that he had tweeted it. And I, I like that he got out ahead of it and didn't let anyone else break it. Um, but he just, you know, it, like you said, it was a nice heartfelt message. And that just seems like the kind of guy he is. Um, I talked to his wife after he announced it and she did confirm that, you know, beers will be on them at the parade. Not not next year, but probably in two years. So you know they seem to be in good spirits. Um, again, it sucks. Um, we only, saw, I mean, we we saw a start and a half from him, pretty much. Not not even, you know, we didn't re- even really get our first real taste of John Means this year. Um, and like you talked about, it sucks as a player, you know, as a person, stuff like that. The 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 business and the baseball aspect of it, you know, I saw people being like, this sucks because now you basically, I mean, you can't trade him for. 16 months you know a year and a half almost pretty much just because you know i mean the tommy john there's nothing that that kills trade value more than tommy john and that that's not what this whole conversation is about like i saw people like legitimately upset right on saturday when he announced it like oh no told you we should have traded him and it's like well okay just kind of pump the brakes for right now um again it just it, it's it sucks to to hear that because again he was the I mean, he's the veteran. He's the guy that the young guys were huddling around for, hey, how, sh- how should I throw this? Any, you know, advice just looking to in the locker room. He was that clubhouse guy for the rotation, and he's not there anymore. Again, I mean, he just turned 30. He just passed three years of service time in, in the big. So, again, it's not like they, they don't have many other guys who have been around the block. You know, Jordan Lyles, I guess, but, I, you know, Means was the guy in the locker room for those young pitchers. I know a lot of them talked this season about – hanging out with him at spring training and and in the off season and just getting to know him and, and, you know, picking his brain a little bit. So yeah, it sucks. Um, and again, you know, the Orioles had another pitcher go down Chris Ellis on the 10 day DL. So they've got to get some pitching, you know, it's got to come from the minors because there's not much out there on the, the, the scrap heap. Um, Grayson had a Grayson got roughed up a little bit today. I think he had three runs, but from what it sounds like, none of them should have happened. They were just three defensive mistakes um, should have been out of the inning, but Good to see him battle back. Um, again, I expect to hear about him and Kyle Bradish and a couple of those other guys um, in the next couple of weeks. Again, with these injuries, I don't know who else they can really turn to. You know, I think it may get to eventually. They need to bring these guys up instead of like let's see what they can let's see what they can do. They're they're going to have to to just fill out this this rotation. Um, Matt Harvey. He's getting stretched <laughs> out. Um, <laughs> I think he's down in. We're Florida back, still. baby. Yeah, the Dark Knight. Um, he's back. Not the hero we need, but the not the hero we deserve, but the one we need right now. Again, he's a body who hopefully can eat up some innings. Um, you know, again, I, I'm hoping to see DL Hall within the next, I don't know, maybe maybe two months. You know, two and a half months, something like that. There's a lot of baseball games to be played before you know now and then, but again, I mean, bodies. They're going to need these bodies to uh, 
to eat up some innings. And I don't think Alex Wells and, and a couple of those other guys who they're throwing out there are, are the, the people to do it. So again, in, in, in Bruce Wayne and, and, you know, dark Knight, we trust, I guess. It is a very, very uh, big time for Batman, obviously with the movie coming out. So maybe there's another one. Maybe... Oh, this movie just came out. The Robert. Oh, I, one. oh, I thought yeah, you meant. Oh no, no. I was like, Jesus no. Christ! Like, well, the, down, the re the uh, it's because it just came out on HBO Max. So people are that didn't go to uh, theaters are seeing it now. Got it. Um, yeah, they're gonna have to find some people. I just said give up twelve to the Yankees tonight. Lost twelve to eight. Nice little uh, comeback they tried to attempt, but uh, the Bronx Bombers got it done. Um, Orioles fall to six and 11 um, on the season. So by tracking about where, uh, you know, seems like they are, they still cannot hit. Um, Bats came know, alive eight, tonight. Eight, they, they eight runs, eight runs tonight. But the, I mean, the averages in the lineup is, is a tough, tough scene. There was an ESPN article um, today talking about like biggest, you know, bold mm-hmm. predictions in major hot league takes, baseball. Yeah. Hot takes. And uh Orioles breaking the all-time team strikeout um, record is uh, right at the top of the article. That was, that was the first thing in the article. Yeah. It's like, yep, go figure. Of course, literally the mildest take of the article is the Orioles striking out more than any team in LB history. So that's great to see as a fan. Uh, hopefully, though, Adley Rushman back playing baseball. So that could uh, that debut feels like it's incoming in the next what two weeks, three weeks at this I point. Th- I think now the the date, I think it's May 6th. No, no, it's not May 6th. Is it May 6th? Um, there's a Friday night game against Kansas City, and it kind of matches up. Like, that seems to be – let me get the exact date. Um, that seems like the game that everyone is like, hey, probably want to – okay, yeah, so May 6th, Friday night against, against Kansas City. People are like – circling it maybe grab your tickets now because that could be that would match up to be the game that he makes his debut against it would be cool to see him come up against bobby wet jr too that'd be pretty neat yeah they have um a homestand starting on friday and it's like 10 games or so and that's like the last series of the homestand so i would think that they would maybe wait to go on the road and then hit it hard when it comes back uh, so yeah just, just so they devil's advocate on that it could be. I mean, you're you're right because again, they finished. They got this two more in New York. Then they come home for three for Boston, four for Minnesota, and then yeah, they end with three in Kansas or home for Kansas City. Then they go to St. Louis. They co- they go to Detroit. They come back for four against the Yankees, three against Tampa. So that May sixteenth, that could be that. You know, again, they come back from the road trip. Um, again, do they want if they want to debut them four against the Yankees? And again, let's be real. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a heavy crowd of Yankee fans. Um, yeah, I mean that that place tickets are going to sell regardless. But um, I don't know. I, again, I mean the the six kind of makes sense. That's a week and a half, basically. Get him some games, and seems you know that may be the game where we see him. Um, but yeah, it may, maybe they do it. I don't know if they wanted to do it midweek next week, and again get five games out of that homestand with him and sell a couple more tickets. Who knows? But we shall see. I think that is going to be a nice little jolt of excitement for uh, for Orioles fans when. Adley makes his debut. That should be very, very exciting um, as the Orioles roll along. Uh, We move on to the Baltimore Ravens. And obviously, you know, as we talked about to open the show, draft, huge uh, Thursday night, first round, Friday night, second and third rounds, and four through seven on Saturday, all live from Las Vegas on about 18 channels. 
Um, Ravens, number 14 overall in the first round. Second round, they have one pick, number 45 overall. Um, two picks in the third round, number 76 and number 100. They have about 1,000 fourth-round picks. Number 110 overall, 119 overall, 128 overall, 139 overall, 141 overall. And then in round six, they have number 196 overall. A pick, RDT, I know you're very interested in every year, specifically 196. You just always, for some reason, seems like you, you care about that spot. I don't know why. But 96? Yeah, you just care about 190. That's just what I heard. I, I you know. So on the street, you, 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 yeah, mm-hmm. you can figure that out if you'd like. Uh, those are the Ravens picks. Obviously, you know, the we can sort of preview this conversation. We really delved into, you know, best case scenario for the Ravens from Spencer, what they could do in terms of trading up and trading down. He, he broke down a bunch of different prospects they could take, you know, at, at, at tackle, um, defensive and offensive tackle, um, at cornerback. And then I, we even went into some general stuff, talked about the quarterback position, talked about the Ravens offseason, just some tremendous stuff, by the way. Listen to the whole thing, some tremendous stuff from him at the back end about the Ravens offseason, about Greg Rome, and then about Lamar Jackson. That was, you know, really great stuff. We'll have Spencer back on before the year to, to kind of break down what we can see from the team this year. Some tremendous stuff overall. Going into it for you guys, now that we've talked to him, where do you – what would you – what move would you guys make if you were the Ravens? Do you think they stay at 14? Do you think they – you know, we talked about at the end, we sort of based our conversation last week about Debo Samuel on his theory about supercharging the offense. Do you trade up for someone? Do you trade down and, you know, pick an offensive player and really go on on that? Where do you guys settle now as we head into Thursday over what the Ravens should do? I, not to give away any of what the conversation will be here with Spencer, but I, as he talked more and more about it, as I read more and more, as I hear more and more, like I continue to grow optimism that like, what they want to get out of that 14 spot is going to come to fruition, whatever dominoes that need to fall in order to have other teams take other guys and take quarterbacks and all those types of things. I feel optimistic that a player will be there. That is one that they, they feel strongly about and it it very well might, may be, um, you know, one of these names that's been linked to them strongly. So, I mean, I'll let Spencer kind of dive in on that, but, my instinct is that the pick that he makes is the one that I, I also think is, is probably the most likely outcome. So um, yeah. And I think that that's a, the pick that he he says is one that's going to get people really fired up. So I'm fired up for that myself. Yeah. I mean, like, like you, again, like you're saying, people will hear it. I think that that pick is going to legitimately fire people up and rightfully so. Um I, I think they're going to do, again, something not, not to give away what we talked about, but I think they're going to do kind of the you trade back and then move up a couple spots because, it, you know, it just seems like the Ravens will always jump at any opportunity to add a couple extra picks, you know, a, a, a fifth year, a sixth next year, a fourth, you know, a fourth next year, something like that. It always just seems like they, I mean, Brian's talked about it for years. They just love stockpiling those, those middle round um, picks that they that they excel so well with. So I, I, I think we see something like that. Um, and, you know, if they can get the player that they want, you know, if the if he's falling at that spot when they can move back, I think it works out even better for them. We talked about it a little bit, um, and then we'll jump into it, into the conversation. I think they're in a really tremendous position at 14 because, you know, as, as we talked about, quarterback kind of sets the draft. So whenever teams – 
if there's going to be a run on quarterbacks and, and this is a weird draft and Spencer pointed out really astutely, not a lot of teams desperate for a quarterback, but if you have that run, you know, that's a lot of times going to happen, especially in a draft like this, it doesn't have a lot of top end quarterbacks going to top five. It'll probably happen between like eight and 14. So the Ravens can take advantage of that if they want in terms of sitting at 14 and letting quarterbacks go in front of them and having guys drop to them that they value more than those guys. Or if you have someone that wants to come up and get one because they're starting to go, you can trade back out of 14 and maybe get some good capital for it because they're coming up to get a quarterback that you know they're desperate for. So I think they're in an awesome spot. It'll be really interesting to see what they do. And Spencer broke it down extremely well and way better than the three of us can. So let's get to our conversation with Ravens for dummies himself, Mr. Rob Lowe himself you see from his uh, his twitter avatar uh spencer schultz something magic happens back on the exit 52 podcast presented by jimmy seafood joined by spencer schultz at ravens for dummies i feel like is sort of more of your brand on twitter um the twitter handle there spencer thanks for coming on man absolutely love you fellas i guess uh you'll you maybe you'll give us the inside scoop last year jake and i were streaming on our podcast the baltimore beatdown podcast you guys gave us like a an 11 30 zoom drunk call <laughs> uh, give us give us the lowdown like waiting for your uber so hopefully hopefully we'll get another one of those this week uh absolutely i think we'll be on to take all i think we're always available to take all 11 30 drunk calls for any for any podcast yeah, that's correct that's how i'd rather take them than a, than a normal normal situation okay we're gonna start this conversation out like this spencer who should the ravens pick at 14 and who will they pick at 14 i think i ultimately think that those two will flow together into the fat man jordan davis into (laughs) into the human uh refrigerator himself i think that he is just too special of an athlete and uh you've heard daniel jeremiah say it and daniel jeremiah has like been pretty far removed from the ravens at this point but we still pretend that he was a scout like three years ago or something but he said he was like the ravens just don't pass on guys that are that big and can move like that and do those kinds of things and I think that's just too exciting of a piece to have. And I feel like if teams don't, you know, he might not go top 10. I have a little bit of a wager on him to go top 10. I think like plus 550 I got two days ago. Um, So if he does go top 10, I won't be angry. But I think need might not be the best word, but looking at where they need to add, you know, tackle, corner, wherever, you can address those. Those are deep classes later in the draft. I think Davis might be there, might be really highly regarded by the Ravens and sounds like a, a nice marriage of, what they look for and having a highly graded player right there. Do you, do you feel like they will, what's the likelihood they trade up or trade down? Got to go, got to go with like a coin flip. I think they, I, I always say the one thing I don't think Eric, or the one thing that Eric DaCosta and the Ravens aren't mm-hmm. is lazy. They will make every single call. They love doing their market research. They love knowing how much a guy costs, what they could have people for. They're, they're bargain hunters. They're like the, the neighborhood mom that has all the coupons, all the deals all the time. They want to know where they can strike that little bit of gold and get a Calais Campbell for a fifth round pick or find someone who is desperately trying to trade up or desperately trying to trade back and uh, gets that, you know, that little, little gold in the eye of Eric DaCosta. So I feel like there is a very real possibility. There's been a ton of smoke coming out the last couple of days about you know, who wants to trade up, who wants to trade back. Apparently Howie Roseman and Eric DaCosta both fed today to like the national reporters, like, yeah, we're both looking to move up uh, as they, they do love to do. But just the fact that they love to move around in general and the volatility kind of with the uncertainty of this class feels like it's super likely. 
That's interesting because there, there's a whole narrative that the Ravens love to move back every chance they get. And, and sometimes that involves moving back and then up a little bit. I think you're absolutely correct when it comes to uh, they're them making moves when they, you know, they're not afraid to go make a move. You, you kind of referenced um, us trading some later round picks for, for, for veteran players and those types of things. Um, so are, are you kind of just saying that the, the narrative that they may move up or back being a coin flip is just like the, the narrative that exists is incorrect, or is that more situational to this particular year and the players at hand and where they're kind of spotted it at 14 there? I think the fact that it is 14 puts them in a unique spot as opposed to where they typically are. This is the second highest they've drafted in John Harbaugh's tenure as the Ravens head coach. There are a lot of really good edge defenders and corners and, you know, a guy like Jordan Davis, a couple of tackles that the Ravens could use all of those things. And lo and behold, when all of the smoke clears, I feel like a quarterback or two will get taken a receiver or two will get taken ahead of the Ravens. And why not try and go up to eight or 10 or 11 and consolidate at the same time, you mentioned trading back and trading up. That is like the, the classic big brain that I think actually works. And what I've kind of just read, you know, different articles, and listening to interviews like Rick Spielman the other day was on, um, shoot, can't remember the podcast. He was on with Nate Tice of The Athletic, and he was talking about what we kind of find is that the back, back half of the first round, meaning like 16 through 32, there's not really a big difference year to year or like over a 10-year period where we think like, oh, 32 is going to be like, is way lower than 18 or something like that in terms of hit rate of finding, you know, an impact player, a quality starter. So trading back, you feel like you're not losing a ton and you're getting ammo to go consolidate up into the, you know, top 50, top 60, top 70. And with this class in particular, through the 372,000 mock drafts I do and just sit by myself like a loser doing those all the time. (laughs) uh, I personally struggle once I get past like 75 to be like, yeah, I feel like I'm getting slam dunks. Um, So I think trying to get like three top 50 or 60 picks would be a pretty sweet scenario for Baltimore. Take us through the mock drafts. Uh, there's, uh, I have a lot of questions about this. Yeah, this fascinates me. The mock draft mm. process fascinates me too. Yeah, like, do you do you schedule when you're going to do them out? Or do you just kind of like hanging out and you have a few free minutes and you're like, I'm going to dive into one here that's starting up in a few minutes. Like, take, like, just talk about mock draft culture. It's something else to me. I love it. So I don't do them with, like I did one where it was like 32 people that were all some sort of fanalist or analyst or something the other day. And we kind of like broke down picks. It was literally like a mock, like live stream draft with Cole and Jake the other day, but I don't ever do them with other people unless it's like for like one instance right before the draft. Like we just did the other day. I will just, I don't know, have a question in mind and I'll be like, Hmm, I wonder how this would play out on the board. And I'll be watching better call Saul or something. As I we were talking about right before we went live, I stay up until the you know the the twilight of of morning a lot of times, and I'll just like have a little question. I'll flip around a board a little bit and just see you know what it feels like to do something where I think players go, where I think I can get value, things like that. While I'm like watching TV and listening to a podcast and doing a crossword puzzle and doing a wordle and a hurdle because I'm a psychopath, but um, I just like to see where where perceived value is. Like for instance, PFF uh, will post where the most commonly picked player is like of other people doing it. So you can be like, Oh, 14% of people who did were the Eagles drafting took Jamison Williams. He was the number one player selected. So then I kind of hone in on like, okay, that's who a fan base wants. Not that it has any importance, but trying to figure out where everybody's at, things like that. 
And I don't know. I just always find it'd be a fun little like three minute thing I do from time to time to probably like once or twice a week just to play with different ideas in my head. So are you tracking throughout the draft process where quote unquote perceived value is based on other mock drafts or based on how you scout the players and what you, what you would do if you were the GM. So essentially when you're mock drafting, you're thinking, okay, this is who the majority of people think are being taken. So here's where I'll slot them in. And you're like, man, this is who the Jaguar should take. So this is who I'm taking. And then I'll see where it goes from there. Based it's on it's always I, tough. And I really, I've, I've covered the senior bowl. I've gone down to Mobile the last three years and I don't really feel like buying into anything ahead of that. That's kind of where I like really get started. I like to kind of let everybody else develop narratives. And then as I'm watching tape, I'll be like, okay, this was said about Aiden Hutchinson. Do I think that's BS or not? So I kind of like sift through some of the narratives for myself. Then I'm a, I'm a big testing guy. Like, I don't think that, you know, the 40 matters for every single player, but there aren't very many corners in the NFL that didn't run in the four fives or lower. Like pass rushers usually have it like successful pass rushers usually meet a threshold of like 35 inch vertical jump over 10 feet on the broad jump and had like a sub, you know, seven, 10, three cone. And you look where it's like, Oh, 70% of the good edges in the NFL have that. So I kind of use those as thresholds. And then I ask a question, like for instance, the dude Drake Jackson from USC who's an edge rusher. He ran a seven Oh nine, three cone, but I think that's wasn't a great time for him. That's supposed to translate to being able to bend. I think he has the best bend in this class. Whereas like a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, can bend a little, but he ran like a ridiculous seven, six, seven, three, three cone. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't think that does justice for either player. So trying to like marry the film with the testing, with the measurements, and then like sifting through narratives, some you find true, some you find to be a little bit of like groupthink. And it's easy to tell, like, for instance, there's all these people, a player I really like in this class, Jalen Petrie. I, when I worked for sports info solutions, my, one of my assigned teams that I had to watch every play of like six times to scout was Baylor. He never played deep safety one time. I think he had 14 snaps at deep safety over the last three years. And then I'll read a scouting report from, you know, ESPN or somewhere else or some, you know, big person on Twitter. It's like, yeah, he has a ton of experience playing deep safety. I'm like, well, if you think that, I don't think you watched him and I don't think you know what you're talking about. So um, trying to just sift through all of those things and process of elimination, find some thresholds and then guys you just like on tape. You talked about, you know, the, one of the big names, Jordan Davis, that I think realistically could fall to four, not fall, but could be there at 14. Who's another like a sexy name? Because I think Jordan Davis would get people legitimately excited. Like, you know, th that position doesn't normally generate like, a, oh, my God, we got him type excitement. Who is another guy like that? That's not one of the, you know, an Aiden Hutchinson, a Jameson Williams, someone like that who who may or may not be, you know, Williams may or may not be there at 14, but who's another guy like a Jordan Davis with that name that could get people Ravens fans legitimately excited if they take them at 14, man. Um, I don't mean, I know some people really like Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, mm -hmm. I think there would be like a faction of people that would get really excited about that. Derek Stingley, who I, I don't see falling out of the top five is another one. Um, other than that, I, I don't know that there's really a lot of slam dunks. 14 is a weird spot. And this is a weird class for it where, you know, you're hoping that maybe like the number one guy I think everybody would love would be Kayvon Thibodeau. There's been so much of his, you know, concerns and interests and things like that. But I, again, just Stingley and Thibodeau both have these weird narratives. And I think they ultimately end up going like top seven at lowest. Uh, so I don't know. I, I don't, it, it's a tough question. I don't think there's really a lot of slam dunks. 
if they draft a receiver, they've taken one, you know, two out of the last three first rounds. And, you know, there's going to be people that don't love that. If they take like a Devin Lloyd, there's going to be people like, oh, we drafted another first round linebacker. Um, so I, I think it's kind of tough. I think the one most universally loved guy actually that comes to mind is, is Jermaine, Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. And mentioning the Senior Bowl, he and I think Mike Renner of PFF summed it up the best. He put on such a show at the Senior Bowl. I wrote my like day one report from being there. I was like, he should not practice again. There is nothing he can gain. He just like Justin Herbert's been, there's been so many good players over the last couple of years that have gone to the senior bowl. He made them look like JV made guys that will get drafted on day two of this draft. Look like a JV football player, like a freshman coming into play was so utterly dominant. It was like disgusting to watch. And Mike Renner of PFF wasn't super high on him and said it best. You don't go do what you did in mobile and then not be productive to some degree in the NFL. He just looked the part in the run game in the pass game. He can move well in space, just checks every single box. All those thresholds I was talking about, he jumped high enough, his arms are long enough, you know, he ran fast enough, all those things. So I think he's a pretty, in a draft where it's easy to hit a single or a double, it feels like he's a damn solid double. And ha- with the potential, it feels like to be a home run. Based Definitely. On I, I think he's, you know, he's got a little tightness and there is like a little more like, I want to be violent than maybe refinement to him that could be, it feels like he's still growing to a degree. He did go, he was Juco. He was the number one Juco player in the country. He was on last chance. U. goes to Georgia, you know, is in that mix with all those crazy dudes they had there. And then finally goes to Florida state. The first time he's able to actually play as a full-time starter, but he was 22 when that happened. So some people have questions about that. So it's like, he is physically matured. He is still ascending um, and he's kick-ass against the run. So I think he, he checks so many boxes and I, he kind of gives me like a discount Miles Garrett vibes. Like I think he could be like 80% of Miles Garrett as a somewhat realistic outcome where he's like a 12 sack guy who makes a ton of splash plays for you and is just consistently great against the run. It feels like the guy that, that literally anything. that literally would win the name contest RDT would be Sauce Gardner because his name is Sauce. At that point, I mean, that just gets people excited because your name's Sauce Gardner. True. Do, True. do you, if you were going to take one of these corners, who would you want? He's obviously one of those names that's getting tossed around the top 15. You talked about Stingley, you know, um, McDuffie from Washington is getting talked about over and over and over now. He feels like the hot name rising as a corner that the Ravens could take at 14. Which of those guys do you like and is the mo- most realistic for them to potentially take? So I have the highest grade on Stingley. Um, I, I have him higher than I had JC Horn, who was my cornerback one last year, Sertan as well. Um, of the last like two or three drafts, he he's the number one corner for me. I think there's a lot of, of gray area that is easy to like get caught up in. But the more I have kind of tried to do research, you know, interviewed other people that are like national guys, things like that. He basically tried to, they, they were like, Hey, let's see if you can play at like two Oh seven. You're you could fill out. Well, it didn't go well in 2020. Um, he didn't feel comfortable with that weight. And one of my favorite quotes is Steve Smith senior. I think he was on like move the six last year. And he said, I have to play, but he was like, I, anytime I was below 195 or above 198, my body got hurt. Like I, if I was above 198, I would pull a hammy. If I was That's below 195, I would end up getting banged up and wouldn't be strong enough. So he was like, I couldn't lift weights. I had to do body weight. So it goes to this whole thing about how essentially like, that's why you're a professional athlete to know your body and give professional level care to your body, invest in your body, all that stuff. So didn't go well for him. Uh, 2021, you know, at the same time, LSU coach O, you know, turns back into a pig, turns into a drunk slob. <laughs> they lose Joe Brady. They lose Dave Aranda 
all these, you know, they lost all the magic from Burrow and Chase and Jefferson and Clyde Edwards Alaire and Pat Queen and, you know, greedy, all these dudes they had. Uh, so it was kind of like endearing that he didn't try to opt out like uh, Jamar Chase did. I thought, you know, he's, he did still want to go and that ended up not even mattering that Jamar Chase did opt out. But then this year, August comes around. Apparently he's back down like right around under 200, breaks his foot in camp, plays through it and tries plays three games. He got thrown at three times in three games. So there's this whole thing like, oh, he, he didn't play well in 2021, even when he was on the field. It was like, no one even threw at him. So what, what are you talking about? Uh, but I just think he has the cleanest backpedal. But if you're a team like the Ravens, who I think they will love Stingley too, because he is comfort, comfortable and pressed, but like the Seahawks and the Ravens and a couple of other teams, Sauce Gardner has 33 and a half inch arms. He went on Richard Sherman's podcast um, and said, I have basically, like, he was like, I'm a closer in baseball. I have 101 mile an hour fastball. It is my two-step press jam. I'm going to do that 75% of the time. You know, it's coming. I know, you know, it's coming and you're not going to beat me doing that. If you love to press, you love to jam, you want to play that physical style like the Ravens have for so long. Like we've seen them acquire Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey, you know, pay those guys $170 million to do. They might have him higher. And I can absolutely see that. He is a dominant, 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 not just press, but press jam, putting your hands on someone at the line of scrimmage corner. Um, kind of reminds me of Marcus Peters a little, a little bit in terms of like how lanky he is. I think he's a weird tackler in ways. I think he like gets a weird reputation. Like people think he's kind of like a heavy hitting, like downhill kind of thumper, but he's more of like a pterodactyl that tries to grab you and like talk some shit after or something. So um, I, I like Stingley the most, but I, I think sauce is a, a damn good press corner. Now you're talking about cornerback position. It sounds like, there, I mean, there's a lot, there, there's some heavy hitters up top. Um, what, in your, in your opinion, what's the deepest position in this draft? What is something that the Ravens, you know, or not even just the Ravens, but a team who may go, you know, we don't need to pick first or second round. We can get some legitimate talent, maybe fourth, fifth, fifth, sixth round, something later down the line. What's that position group that, that you think is just like, there's a ton of depth there. This edge class outside linebacker DN class is absurd. There are, and you'll see people say like the 20 guys that they think should, should hit. And theoretically then it's like probably 10. But it's like you feel like in the second and third round, if you if you lay a lottery ticket down on an edge defender, whether it's, you know, uh, like a DeMarvin Leal or a Boy Mafe or a Josh Pascal, or Drake Jackson, Nick Benito, like even Ebiketti might sneak into the first round. But there's all these guys that it's so saturated that it feels like funky at the top of the draft, even where it's like, OK, Trayvon Walker and, and then at the top of the draft too, like Trayvon Walker, maybe one Hutchinson one you know, whichever one of them, then one, a one B Thibodeau feels like, you know, people are saying he's the third guy. Now Jermaine Johnson, George Karloftis, like there's four or five guys. And really with before Ojabo got hurt, he was supposed to be right up there too. So there's like a heavy hitting bunch at the top that has, I wouldn't say like, you know, there's no miles Garrett in this class. There's no superstar. That's like, that's the chosen one that has every single thing possible. Even though I think Trayvon Walker definitely could be that guy, but, um, depth all the way through. I mean, there's guys like, there's also like a ton of the inside out guys that play three tech, like Cam Thomas out of San Diego state. Uh, there's a dude, Alex Wright, who's like six, seven and can dip and rip under the edge and is like a solid run defender that, that can speed rush. And he's huge and plays big too. That could be like, you know, in, in another class, he might be a top 50 or 60 guy, but the, it's kind of like what we've seen with the wide receiver market the last couple years. It's like over, it's saturated 
So some of these guys might end up falling. Kingsley Anigbare, a guy of South Carolina who is a heavy-handed, you know, like violent type of dude, good run defender, figures out how to get pressure, even though he's not like the cleanest pass rusher. I think he's, you know, a top of bottom second, top third guy in most classes. And in this one, he could end up being in the hundreds. There's just so, so, so many dudes. And a lot of them are like pedigree, former high four-star, five-star guys. Not that that ends up mattering, but that means they like tested well and had the measurements. And again, I think edge is one of the positions where the thresholds matter, the athleticism matters, maybe a little more than production at times. So there's there's just a ton all over the place. Even a guy like Michael Clemens out of Texas A&M is going to be like a, a good base end, kind of like a you know poor man's Michael Bennett maybe that can fill that same role. And you could probably get him like the fourth, fifth round. So it's, it's you know, guys that had production, every, anything you want, any flavor you want in this edge class. Um, but I think corner is very deep as well. And I think tackle, especially after the last couple of years, tackle has been, the cupboard's been completely bare in terms of depth in tackle classes. This one has some solid options, second, third round, guys that have played on the left side and uh, is definitely deeper than the last couple of years. It's funny you talk about like highly rated recruits that get to this point. And I remember when Josh Pascal was getting recruited because Maryland recruited him and he ended up at Kentucky. Good counsel, yep. Yeah, good, good counsel. And like those guys, you're like, oh, like they'll go to college. They'll be a first round pick. And then, you know, he'll get taken in what the third or fourth round or whatever it ends up being. And it's interesting position by position, like you said, when testing applies and when it doesn't apply, you know, to certain positions and how you how you kind of grade them and what you need to see on tape. I, that brings me to a self-serving question. Maryland has Nick Cross and Chigo Conquo. Where do those guys go? Man, and the thing about Maryland in, in terms of testing their backs the last couple, they really, really, really have a great strength and conditioning program that elevates them. Jake Funk last year, like ran low four fours, jumped through the roof. I don't think he gets drafted if he didn't do what he did at his pro day. Um, so a Conquo and Nick Cross go out and, and light it up at the combine. I think Nick Cross, a team could really, similarly to Darnell Savage, who also lit up the combine. You see the way he comes downhill, the movement skill, the acceleration, how violent he is, all those things. You're like, man, this kid runs four threes. He's big. You know, he actually plays physically. You see all of those like tangible uh, skills in terms of athleticism on tape. There's some rawness to him. You know, Maryland's D got lost a lot of times. There's a lot of blown coverages, but um, you know, we think we can coach that kid up. I think you can talk yourself back into the second round, third round pretty easily with him. And then Chig is a little weird. I think a lot of people are like, this is John U. Smith. And I, I see that a lot. So um it feels like he has to go to a team that's looking for a hybrid kind of player. And that can be early or really late where it's like a little bit of a niche player. He's shorter. Um, you know, it's that H back role. You might use him in the backfield. Some, you might use him in line. You might put him in the slot. Um, so I feel like late third through worst case, maybe like early sixth, but I think like fourth, fifth round for Chig. And I could see him, you know, easily being a guy that like catches 15, 20 passes a year plays really fantastic on special teams can do some funny stuff in the red zone. And if it gets in the right situation, someone loves him. He works his tail off. He can blow up. He's such an interesting player. Cause he never put together a ton of production over an extended period of time. Cause he just, first of all, didn't have quarterback play finally got some quarterback play had to miss an t- entire year. And then, yep. you know, plays for a team that just, you know, didn't get it going for him until the last few games of the season. Um, 
I have to get your take, and this is not a non-Ravens thing on the quarter. The, you know, the quarterback is a sex position in every draft. And I think it makes, you know, a lot of difference for the Ravens if there's a run on quarterbacks early. That gives the Ravens a lot more options on what they want to do, whether a team wants to trade up because they're desperate to get a quarterback, quarterbacks go before them, so things, assets drop down to them. What do you see happening with this quarterback class? One that feels like, I don't know, you, you know this history better than me, feels like one of the weakest in recent years in terms of, like, stud. Like this guy's a stud, this guy's a stud, or we really like this guy. Like normally that's the dominant discussion of the draft. And this draft buildup feels a little boring because it's like, oh, Malik Wells, like did anyone watch him play in college? Not really played for Liberty. Kenny Pickett's a nice player. Like Sam Howell never really grew into the college star that, you know, and led North Carolina to heights this year that they were projected to, you know, be led to. So what's your sort of overall thought on the quarterback class? Because that just seems to decide the excitement of a draft. Is, is what goes on with quarterbacks. Definitely. It, it drives the narratives. If your team drafts a quarterback, it's an entire offseason, you know, feeding frenzy for content and takes and everything of the sort. I think there's quarterbacks in this class that are easy to talk yourself into, considering you don't need to mortgage the future. There's just also not a lot of teams that are like super desperate for a quarterback right now. So I think that's a, a weird kind of cape over top of it. But I think Malik Willis, you look at like Josh Allen, you look at like Mahomes and some of these guys are like, wow, the traits jump off. The kid is supposed to be incredible. Everybody loved him the way he interviewed at the senior bowl, everything that he does. Um, and he did play at Liberty, but like he lost out to Bo Nix, the pride of Auburn, who, you know, very easily probably should have ended up winning that job. We watched Burrow lose out, you know, a couple of years ago, things like that. So Willis, you can talk yourself into uh, just on those traits. And the fact that, hey, if I don't have to waste a bunch of picks to go get a guy I think could be a grand slam, then why not? You know, why not take that shot? But it's tough. So like the Panthers are a landing spot for a quarterback potentially, but Matt rule, if he doesn't win games, he's going to get fired this year. It would be, I'd be remiss to think if they had a losing season, he doesn't get canned. And that feels like a probably pretty likely scenario. They only have in the top 100 six overall. That is the only pick they have until I think like one thirty-seven. So can you afford to take a quarterback that needs time to grow? You know, are you going to try to bet? Like maybe if I take a quarterback that the clock will reset on me, but again, there's not that guy that stands out. The dude that I think my two kind of, I like Willis for the traits very much. So you can run a certain kind of offense. He's a dynamic athlete faster in GPS tracking than Lamar Jackson is hits like 21 and a half, 22 miles an hour, like regularly in games and practice. So you can do all of those things if you want. And that's a great, like, fallback plan we watched the Ravens do that a couple years ago oh our offense you know Flacco gets hurt our offense is stale now we can dumb things down run a run heavy offense you know stay in game slow down the pace everything like that so I, I think Willis does go top 10 in this class but other than him the, the other two guys I do like are Desmond Ritter number one kind of reminds you of Dak Prescott coming out a couple years ago where there are some accuracy-ish issues but no one's gonna watch him and be like oh he lacks arm strength and then at Cincy, he had the most, it felt like similar to uh, what, what is asked read wise in the NFL in a spread offense was happening at Cincinnati for him. He did it for a long time, um, is athletic, can open up your offense in that sense. Accuracy issues for sure. But that used to be more of a bugaboo like 10 years ago. And now we see all these quarterbacks that are making huge strides in accuracy, whatever modern advancements that freaking uh jordan palmer's doing out there wearing his ray-bans and cali or whatever it is but <laughs> him and then and then matt corral corral comes from the most limited offense i would say but 
fast as hell, athletic as hell, insane arm talent. Um, ended up with a really bad injury in their bowl game, and that you know was the whole oh this is why kids should opt out thing. But um, I, I think he sneakily can go top ten, top fifteen in this class. I know the Seahawks have been trying to hide like uh, there's some little like sneaky photos of him at the combine and them like having this whole big schmooze fest. They have a bunch of Ole Miss ties in their front office and like actually in their organization. Uh, and I, I think he's got the tools, but I don't know. It's, it, it is murky ultimately. Uh, but, but teams feel comfortable. Like the Steelers at 20, you might be able to get, you might like, but not love two guys. It feels like they love Willis is what they've tried to like intentionally release. But if you can sit there and take Ritter and let him, you know, sit if needed, let Mitch Trubisky do his thing. It feels like you didn't mortgage anything and are giving yourself a high likelihood to hit on a quarterback between one of the two of them. And guess what? If not, you want one next year, there's going to be three coming out and you can go mortgage the future for something you feel better about. Um, I don't like Kenny Pickett at all. Uh, I don't like Carson Strong at all. Kenny Pickett, people are like, oh, you know, Joe Burrow didn't have the arm strength. Well, Joe Burrow also just had like an innate ability to understand where his weak points were, his pocket movement, keeping his eyes downfield, the confidence he plays with, the poise he played with, all translated immediately to the NFL. Kenny Pickett is the opposite. He plays like I chugged three monsters and then had an espresso and then like, you know, (laughs) like stolen Adderall from some, my tutor or something in the pocket, he'll be completely <laughs> clean playing a lesser opponent and just start freaking out a lot. Um, so I'm not a big picket guy. I, I think you are like, Oh, you know, he's, he's older and he had a good year last year and uh, blah, 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 blah. You can, you can talk yourself and him being the safe one, but the safe one to me sounds like the one that's not going to win you games. Um, and then how to me is the wild card where absolute hose played in an offense that was what, uh, you know, we saw at Ole Miss, like I, if you watch DK Metcalf or AJ Brown, you're like, oh, they only run three routes. Guess what? That's Sam Howell's offensive coordinator now at North Carolina. Uh, so everyone's like, oh, well, you know, limited offense, blah, 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 blah. They also lost a ton of like, okay, NFL talent. And last year he had to run the ball like 190 times. He is like, if Drew Locke were a grown man to me and you let him sit, <laughs> let him figure it out. And, and I wouldn't be shocked to see him just connect he's he's like baker mayfield's like uncle that isn't a dick um <laughs> I so I, I i do like sam Howell a little bit i think he's like a real wild card for me i've had trouble with him but arm talent's insane he is kind of mobile um feels like he says all the right things does all the right things and if you take him you know early second round end of the first or something again and you're like ah, oh, he didn't turn out into anything too crazy it didn't burn you but you feel like you had a real good chance at a little lottery there he feels like a guy that just could have used not having another year of college. Like if he just comes out last year after playing with a good team, not as much. Yeah. I, I think that like affects like our narrative though. At the same time, but I feel like I want to give teams credit and maybe, you know, they do crazy things. Nonetheless, they are smarter than us, but they are also tend to be humans and make errors. But you like, he spoke about that recently. I think like the draft network did an interview with him and he was like, yeah, our young playmakers weren't connecting. We basically needed to turn into a run first offense. And I ended up carrying the ball 192 times out of nowhere because that's what we needed to win. And he like talked about how he enjoyed it and how, you know, it was challenging and blah, 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 blah. And he was very eloquent in it, but it's like, okay, how did he handle that situation? And again, I just listened to listen to Rick Spielman, who is now can, but uh, he was talking about like mental processing versus processing speed and how do quarterbacks overcome when an entire fan base turns on them and dealing with the week to week stuff and all of those things, like they value that at the quarterback position so much. So it might have been a plus that he like hung in there, 
there was never some big freak out or, you know, down moment or anything where like Sam Howell's being, you know, outrageous. And he did show poise in that situation. So I think you kind of can examine that through that same lens. You go from having like uh, Daz Newsome, Deami Brown, Javante Williams, Michael Carter in the most simple offense in any power in all of power five, pretty much. And then you lose all of them. Don't have any big playmaker come in and still kind of were able to stay competitive, be feisty and, and never made too much noise. So uh, I think it showed that he's not a number one type guy that can elevate, you know, a bad situation around him, but it also might've showed, Hey, he's, he's not going to be a, a problem at any point, And we like the kind of duty is. Daz Newsom formerly committed to Maryland in the, I hate recruiting. Yeah, I, tough. I, I hate recruiting. <laughs> um, favorite name in the draft. I'm not talking about a name you like in terms of player, just, Give us, give us some of the best names that are out there. Tito Ogbonna is a fun one. I honestly mm. think George Karloftis is fun to say. Karloftis, Karloftis. We got Bernard Goodman, uh, like Bernard from the Santa Claus a couple years ago. Sky Moore is like, that's kind of a little bit too, too much of an easy one. Uh, Leo Chanel, fancy boy. I think there's there's <laughs> good good names here. Quay Walker, that's a fun one. Asamoa, Ojabo. We got a lot of Nigerian pride. Enigbare, um, those are always fun to say. And I like the, I'm a big fan of hyphenated guys in general. We've got, we've got a couple of Cam Taylor brick, got a couple of nice hyphenated guys in this class. I don't think there's ever been a Super Bowl winning team that didn't have at least two hyphenated last names on their team. It seems like all the hyphenated guys are wide receivers too. Like yeah, wide receivers that, that love to be hyphenated. Happen. Yeah. That, I think that plays into like the diva receiver thing where it's like, I got, I got to pay respect to both families when I'm catching touchdowns. I can see that. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. I have, um, gotta have both. <laughs> Yeah, gotta have both on there. Um, so, so when it's all said and done, number the number one pick, and again, this is not not for the Ravens, just one one. Who's going one one? And um, my gut. If the, if the Jaguars says, hold on to, if they if the Jags hold that pick and don't trade it to you know whoever, I don't. I think they will pick there. Um, I think they will pick there. Trayvon Walker I, is like the easy answer, but I do think Doug Peterson is absolutely dying to get an offensive player to get, you know, a, a franchise left tackle. You feel like between Aquanu or Neil, probably that you're, you're getting someone that can come in and give you that insane, you know, level of consistency immediately be a plus guy for Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think Peterson was brought in to be an advocate for Trevor Lawrence. I feel like they do go tackle sneakily. And I, I have been trying to play some bets on it in the last like three days as Trayvon Walker keeps climbing and everyone else keeps falling. Um, so I, I kind of feel like it ends up being Evan Neal or Quanu. What is the move that's made in the first round that sets the draft on fire? Man, what's the what's the crazy thing that happens that everyone's like, oh shit, the first round is totally off. the the draft is drunk. What's the draft is drunk moment that everyone? Yeah. Uh, the Chiefs trade up, up for Jamison Williams. I think that feels somewhat likely to try and predict a, a trade, but I think it's like that's the one where everyone's like, oh, of course the Chiefs. They, oh, they're so smart. They traded Tyree Kill and then got got the next Tyree Kill to come in. Oh man. <laughs> um, so I, I think that one's a, a fun one, but. Ah, it's weird. I don't know. Other than that, I don't know what would set it on fire. Quarterbacks, I guess, would be the thing that gets everybody going, like two go top 10. And I feel like there's a good shot that like Willis, Pickett, and Corral, one, like two of the three of them could go top 10. And then everyone would be like, see, this quarterback class is fine, whatever, and, and throw a wrench into stuff. But 
the value of this class to me is more like 20 through 60 all being the same and being able to get good players i feel like all the way through the second round more so than than recent years so it's kind of going to be more boring i think overall but the the fact that it's not set at the top does open it up to be more interesting than it has been last year like was how many could you have predicted out of the top 10 correctly like seven eight if you're not even trying that hard so this year is going to be a little more fun i think I always love this part of the draft. Uh, I love watching the coverage because I think one of the most fun parts is watching the coverage develop on both the networks. What's your NFL draft viewer viewer uh, experience of choice? Are you an ESPN guy? Are you an NFL network guy? Are you an ABC talks about the players backstories guy? Backstories is like, I honestly hate it so much that I love it. Like, oh yeah, it's Higgins, <laughs> Mr. Basketball in Tennessee. His sister is a D1 basketball player and his mom used to smoke crack. <laughs> go back on over to T um, that those are like, those are, I feel like they just do it on purpose at this point. Uh, but I through and through till the day I die, will always be a Mel Kuyper guy. I, yes. That was I, the I, right I, answer. Just knowing, yes. just knowing that he's had those, those two pieces of pumpkin pie with low fat whipped cream <laughs> in the morning. Just, it makes me feel at home knowing I'm watching Mel. Uh, I think he's still got the juice and I think he's the most entertaining man in all draft coverage. So, so I'm on Mel. Yeah, he's got to be Mel. I mean, Mel, he's just tremendous. I do I do think that the NFL Network has done a pretty good job um, building up their their draft stuff. I, I And Mel's not going to be there this year. Totally slipped my mind. Yeah. 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 No vax for, uh, for Mr. Kuyper. So he's uh, he's chilling. I guess he'll be chilling in the Baltimore studios. You have to get him, on after, get him on after the draft. Um, yeah. That'd be great. That is a uh, – draft coverage is one of my favorite it's not as fun without Berman anymore because he brought so much ridiculousness and it's kind of not- back in the day too yeah and when they put ray lewis on they've kind of buttoned up the coverage a little bit like lewis it's Riddick's a, very it's a good bunch of skinny white guys that are like you know media guys that all just like make really really shitty jokes amongst each other and schmooze a little bit and like laugh way too hard at something that was like not even worth a snicker but uh they, they seem like they're having fun where is it this year Vegas. Vegas. Are they doing the like second round? This guy, this legend is picking. Like, are we gonna have? Oh, the, they like, do that every year. They'll try out. We're still doing the McAfee people. and oh, Jacoby 100%. Jones and and all those intros. Okay. Yep. Okay. David Plus, Akers. Plus, those David guys Akers go there to the Cowboys. So they're looking for. BJ Sams is, is announcing our fifth round pick. Yeah, they, he played four <laughs> years. It's Edgerton Hartwell. <laughs> I uh, I asked BJ Sams to give me his gloves at training camp at McDaniel when I was like ten, and he was like. Man, he was like, I'm I don't have a big contract. I gotta keep these. Like <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I would, buddy, I would, but I, I need these ones. I need these ones. I'm sorry. Not lying. For some reason, it's it sounds like how BJ seems to talk too. He was a t- he was like, he talked like a tiny guy too. Yeah. He was I mean he was ripped <laughs> out of his mind, but he was like five eight and was just like had had a real big bright smile. He was so nice about it. He's like, I seriously would, but like I, I need them. I was like, all right, all right, all right, get out of here. That you kind of have to respect. You got to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you want? He I have some. It. He, he I got cared enough to like let me want? know that he couldn't give them to me instead of just pretending like that he didn't see the yeah, tenure. Yeah. All right, leave me alone, buddy. <laughs> um, but so what do you think about this Ravens offseason so far? Give us your, give us your, you know, your top line bullets on uh, what the Ravens have done. So we've talked about it a ton, but we haven't had anyone else on to talk about it. So. Uh, Marcus Williams was, was someone that for like months and months and months, it was like, this is someone free agency is for losers. It is for misses. It is for correcting your wrongs. And it feels like with Earl Thomas 
which was a little bit of a reactionary signing. I felt like to the Browns getting OBJ, all of a sudden the Ravens are like stealing Earl Thomas off of the Chiefs charter uh, to go give him a $50 million deal. But what they were able to do with a true, as I say the R word, range, because that's what everybody wants in a safety and what everyone covets. Does he have range? Does he not have range? Having someone that could patrol, being able to bring eight in the box, play a little underneath coverage, when you like to blitz so much, being able to have more underneath defenders because you trust that deep safety helps so much. It makes it harder on quarterbacks. They need to be hitting intermediate and, and able to really block up um, and, and stay poised for a while. So Williams is 25. He's been durable. You know, you knock on wood there and it feels like you're not signing him to a superficial contract that was, Oh, it's six years, but they're probably going to cut him after two or three years uh, ball production. How, you know, I mean, you go watch him against Tom Brady the way Brady avoided him was nuts. He, and what people don't realize too, Williams, again, going back to some of the testing stuff, safety jump numbers seem to matter in terms of like finding range and ball production, 43 and a half inch vertical is like a crazy, I think he has like a, the wingspan of someone who's like six, six and a half or something too. Gronk like would be, uh, there's two instances where Gronk's running up the seam, like in the, in the red area and Brady's like hesitating and doesn't try. Williams is like baiting Brady and he doesn't try him. So that is like the stamp of approval. If Brady avoids you, you are a good football player, especially as a DB. So felt like that was just perfect. It was everything that they've wanted for a couple of years. They haven't been able to lock down long-term. It helps Humphrey out in the way he likes to play up and bump and run. Um, and, and someone that you're getting a real cornerstone piece with that you feel good about. Other than that, you know, it was, it was a lot of, you know, filling, filling in the blank. Love to have Pat Ricard back. That's, you know, my boy, that's whose jersey I'll wear on Sundays um pierce whatever you know bring him back whatever hopefully he stays in in shape uh morgan moses was a great signing solidifies everything on the offensive line you know you also have juan james who can probably maybe give you four games of really high quality play if you need um so so that was a nice little pairing to make sure right tackle is not an issue again the zadarius smith thing i think just soured so many people that if that never happened if nothing ever leaked about that if the ravens didn't even try everyone would have been like, man, the Ravens quietly had a really nice off season, but it just left everyone like yearning for more. Um, and I think they will do something if they don't take an edge in the first round, if they don't end up with a Johnson or a Thibodeau or maybe a Carl Loftus um, and, and don't end up getting great value in the second round either. They've been sniffing around a big defensive player for so long. They did get Williams, but they still have a little bit of money in the bank. They can open some things up. They like to bargain discount as we were talking about earlier trade deadline. I think they could definitely uh, go find a deal three, four, five, six games in, you know, a floundering team, go pick off an edge rusher somewhere, maybe a Montez sweat or uh, John Grenard from, from the Texans, something like that. Find someone productive and round out. So I think they had a nice, nice off season. It's just like, what can this offense do? And this is a question I've been trying to ask. And even through the drafts, like what could they do to make their offense nuclear? Like they are on the cusp. They've had moments. They've had really long, prolonged, periods of scoring 20 plus or like hitting 30 at high rates and being towards the top of the NFL and scoring. So it's like, what will solidify that? Well, you need your offensive line. I think they're kind of basically not going to be a true Super Bowl contender. If Ronnie Stanley doesn't return to form, even if they draft penning or someone else that can give you okay play, you still have a hundred million dollar player on the bench. If Ronnie Stanley can't play. Uh, and I think that's, that's tough to get around. So other than that, it's like, could they go draft a Jamison Williams or acquire another big name receiver? And I don't think it's that insane because if Hollywood goes down or Bateman goes down and, you know, people love Duvernay and Prochet and Wallace, they're nice players. But if you lose like a Hollywood or a Bateman, it feels like your pass game is going to suffer so much. 
And at the same time, if you do add another legitimate threat to that pass game, you're probably going to be a really, really, really difficult offense to stop. So that's kind of been the question I've been trying to ask myself. How can you kind of buck against what everyone thinks and go make your offense be insane? And with McLaurin and Metcalf and Samuel and then a couple of receivers in this draft, a couple next year, um, I think they, they have a sneaky possibility to, to do something that makes def- defenses very limited in what you can do against a team. Like, let's say they took Williams. He comes back to health or Garrett Wilson or something. And then you got Bateman, Andrews, uh, Brown, Lamar Jackson, and J.K. Dobbins in the backfield. And if their offensive line's okay, you are going to be limited in how and what you can call you have to be giving help to your, you know, everything at the same time. It's a real catch 22 if they were to add another dynamic playmaker, especially like after the catch. So that's another area that it, it's interesting to see if they can hit a home run, but this off season in general, I'd say is just like the classic cool B B minus, you know, they, they did some nice things, filled up some holes. They're going to bring someone back after the, or sign someone after the draft. They always do, you know, Justin Houston could very easily be back or someone like that. So um, they, they didn't break the bank in any direction, but I think Marcus Williams was the, of the, any player in this entire free agent class, that was probably the best player they could have signed. And his contract wasn't even like top of, um, top of market. He got like the seventh biggest safety deal. It's kind of the same deal that Kevin Byard got like two years ago. So didn't have to reset the market for it and think he's going to be awesome. That's awesome. I mean, that, that was a really comprehensive, uh, recap of the off season there. I guess I, you talked about the offense and the potential to go nuclear and the pieces currently in place. So yeah, this might be the last question we have here for you. Um, but given the amount of noise that exists and has been going on for, for two or three years now, Greg Roman, like what's your take there on, on just in general, what's the situation there? I think that, the biggest disconnect I think that like the fan base or the noise has versus what maybe the real problem is, is Hollywood Brown said it last summer, right before he got hurt, beginning of training camp, uh, you know, has Roman expanded his playbook. I I've seen, I have Greg Roman, San Francisco playbook. It is, uh, it is 1155 different plays that have like motion variations. It is a Bible. He has so much in that. And that is from years ago. People say he hasn't added on. That's not true, whatever. But Hollywood said it's the same plays as last year. It is on us to show him in practice that he can call these in games. Last year, 2020, I'm referring to, they end up, they ran the same like empty dual whip route kind of concept, little in out concept in like a four week period that he called it like nine, like eight or nine times. And they threw three picks on it. They, he, it just feels like he doesn't trust them to open it up. I think, you know, some of that is wrong on his behalf. And at the same time, Lamar missed camp last year. Hollywood gets hurt. Bateman gets hurt. Sammy Watkins is like, none of them were together in camp. They still couldn't do a bunch because of COVID. And, you know, they they spend a big first round pick on this rookie and he gets nothing in training camp with Lamar. So um, I think he will be gone unless they do the damn thing and, and get to at least an AFC championship, if not a Super Bowl. I think he will be gone. So that's why when people, if you're like, oh, well, what if the Ravens traded for Debo? Or what if the Ravens traded for Terry McLaurin? Or what if they drafted a Jameis Williams or Garrett Wilson? Uh, oh, well, Greg Roman will waste them. That player is going to outlast Greg Roman in my mind. So uh, I, I think that Greg Roman does a lot of good, has gotten a lot of flack. Uh, the biggest problem in their offense the last couple of years is not having good tackle play. As soon as Ronnie Stanley went down, 
Lamar got worse. He drops his eyes faster. He doesn't process as well. He doesn't stick to the plan as long. I don't blame him, but they haven't had a serviceable tackle situation since Ronnie Stanley's injury. You're platooning DJ Fluker and Tyree Phillips, two of the slowest tackles in football. You get whooped by the Bills in that win game. And then last year, you know, they, they had Alejandro Villanueva that when and he, he was bad, but like had a, it wasn't as bad as it was made out to be, but when he lost, it was in two steps and he is instantly giving up pressure right in the face of the quarterback. So um, not having that is limiting, especially in his, his offense that does depend on having a really solid five in your offensive line. So I, I you know, I, I don't hate Greg Roman at all. I like a lot of the things he's done. I think he's the classic, you know, blame the offensive coordinator shout at the sky for a lot of things that have gone wrong. Um, I think a lot of national guys that have tried to do deep dives, cherry pick some things like Steve Ruiz from football, uh, from the ringer, pardon me, did this article talking about like what the Titans did in 2019 playoffs and, uh, yada, yada, yada. And it was just like, you found a couple things that were bad. You cherry picked them. And I don't think it tells the whole story, but at the end of the day, I, I don't think Roman lasts more than, you know, this year and maybe one more. Um, it, it is time to, you know, coordinators just don't stay in one place that long. And the Ravens also had such a roulette of off- offensive coordinators for years and years and years and years. How many offensive coordinators did Joe Flacco have? So continuity has been nice. I think continuity was probably nice during COVID as well. Uh, we're coming out of that now and they're going to let it rock one more time. They tried to do the whole, uh, zig when everybody's zagging, get the Ricard, the boil, the Andrews tight ends, big ball, run power, all that stuff. It worked. It didn't get them to a super bowl, but They've been a really good team at times. So I uh, think it's all overblown. Everybody, It's just become like a whole joke and whatever now. So it is what it is. Uh, I think if there was really an issue the way some people think there is and like players hated it that much, then we would have heard a little bit more about it and that they would have ultimately gotten rid of him. Like if Lamar is going to be a franchise quarterback and he doesn't like Greg Roman, you're going to fire Greg Roman. Uh, you're going to keep the $300 million guy over the, you know, $2 million guy. So uh, it is what it is. Have we seen the best of Lamar Jackson already? Yeah, um, I think so. I, I think what he did in 2019 is undoable again. I uh, don't think that you can beat what he did that year. It would be unlikely to have a better year. That was one of the top five seasons of a quarterback of all time. At the same time, it's it's just been the same problem. Like I, I mentioned, the tackle situation, when he doesn't trust those tackles to hold up, his eyes drop faster, his mechanics break down a little quicker, and he's more inconsistent. And we watched it happen in 2020. They had to lean into that run game. They couldn't even run between the tackles. Their offensive line was so poor at one point. They started putting J.K. Dobbins in the slot and motioning him to run option, to run like a veer and run a bash with because they couldn't even like trust their line to, to do basic like zone concepts up front. Um, so that they had to run their asses to the playoffs. They did that. Last year, we go see what he did against the Chiefs and the Colts and all these comebacks and develop. So I think he is getting better as a passer. I don't think he was ever as bad as he was made out to be as a passer, uh, but he's still making strides that way. But I just don't know that we'll ever see that perfect storm like that again, where he is truly unstoppable for three consecutive months. But I think he is getting better as a passer still and still can play really high level football. But you just need a lot of things to go right to have a season like 2019 when you had, you know, an all pro left tackle, a hall of fame, right guard, a pro bowl, all pro caliber player at right tackle. Um, they didn't quite have the weapons, but they, they had some new things that the NFL hadn't seen a ton of recently. 
and it, it snuck up on everyone, but, uh, you know, he has taken strides. Go look at, if you go rewatch what he did over the first like five, six games last year, he was awesome. Pushing the ball downfield at a historic rate. What he did, even in that Vegas game that they lost in week one with a hodgepodge offensive line and, uh, no time in camp all the way through, you know, the Vikings game and, and through there was really fun, has continued to get better. He trusts, uh, Adam DeVoe, his, his quarterback, you know, mechanics coach a lot now has been working with him all off season. I think we continue to see him take strides and being a more consistent passer. Um, the, the, if he gets better, if he does do better than 2019, it's because I think the Ravens do move on from Greg Roman. They bring, they end up hitting it out of the park, which isn't a guarantee, but could happen with an offensive coordinator that allows him to see the bigger picture pre-snap and take the low hanging fruit, check into the run, hit the outlet in the past game very quickly, see everything a little quicker, more consistently. I think that's what the best quarterbacks do. He admires Tom Brady a ton. And if you can check down quickly and check down, meaning like pick a defense apart underneath, then you can negate pressure. You can negate a lot of those issues until you play, you know, a, a truly dominant defense maybe, but um, that's, that's the last remaining frontier. It feels like having full command at the line of scrimmage and being able to navigate that offense. And um, as someone who's 25 years old, he should be getting, you know, to that point in the next year or two where he really is the, the maestro running the show. Uh, and, and that's the, the final frontier, I think, for him to be the best form of himself. But again, I just don't think 2019 was unprecedented. He's the second unanimous MVP in NFL history. So I don't know that we'll see that again, but I, I think we can see a better version of him that might not be as hyped up, if that makes sense. For sure. For sure. Um, we'll get you out of here on four. I'm going to give you four draft rapid fires real quick. Um, your player that everyone loves that you hate. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson. I don't hate Aiden Hutchinson. Um, <laughs> Trent McDuffie. Trent McDuffie. I, uh, I'm not, not a huge Trent McDuffie guy. I think he can be right in the right system. But, um, again, thresholds, man. There's only been four corners in the last five years that have ever – that have uh, 400 plus snaps in a season while having as short of arms as he does. I don't think he really ever had to like transition, turn and run backwards. Um, George Karloftis, I, I don't love. I tried really, really, really hard to. I usually love guys like him. Um, I think those are, are probably the ones that I'm, I'm not in love with. Maybe, maybe Traylon Burks too. Your guy that everyone hates that you love. Man, everybody hates that I love. Let's go. Hmm. I have Charles Cross as my offensive tackle one. Uh, I don't know that people hate him, but there's a lot of like, he played Mike Leach's offense. He's kind of a sissy, like something, something, something. <laughs> uh, played an air raid offense. So I, I he's the one that I truly love. Uh, love him a lot. A lot of people do hate Jermaine Johnson. And, and those are kind of my two red star guys towards the top of the draft that I really, really like. Um and I don't know, uh, Chris Olave, he's, he's my wide receiver one for the Ravens. I'd rather have like a Jamison Williams, but I think Olave is absolutely disgusting uh, at everything except for getting yards after the catch. Chris Olave is an incredible player. I, I, I would be very interested who does the NFL. And most of that is just because he just destroyed Maryland at every turn. And I just, I Nick just Cross's like worst tape, baby. He, uh, yeah, yeah. Nick Cross, uh, Nick Cross got torched, um, uh, in the Penn State game as well, tough. Two uh, tough. Dotson got him too. Yeah, yep. Dotson. Dotson. There's some. There's some Dotson clips that if you're a Maryland uh, secondary player in the next couple of years trying to get drafted, if you're like Jacorian Bennett or somebody, you don't want anybody to see. 
Uh, that was a tough scene. Um, and then really your scene. your uh, biggest sleeper in the draft. Biggest sleeper. Um, Sam Williams out of Ole Miss. He had some weird legal, you know, domestic something, something happen and got all cleared up. Uh, I think some teams don't have him on their board, but absolute rocket ship. I uh, think he can be a, an impact kind of outside linebacker type player. Uh, I do really like Eric Johnson out of Missouri State. I think is a deep, deep sleeper defensive tackle who's got the juice, got the goods. Um, Eric Johnson can can really rumble. Uh, weird body type, kind of built maybe like a Broderick Washington a little bit, but I think he can definitely rumble. Atito Ogbana, I said, is uh, a really fun name, but he's a really fun player. Bull in a China shop, kind of one tech, two tech guy. And then I guess he's not necessarily a sleeper, but I'm, I'm a big Daniel Falele guy. I think that he has an incredibly high ceiling in the NFL, still learning the position very much. So um, I, I think that he got knocked for some things. I, I could do a whole dissertation on him, but he's a very interesting player. I think he has a super high ceiling in this class. And let's see anybody else. Andrew Stuber out of Michigan, one of those one of those offensive linemen that got absolutely bullied by George after trying to wear those run the damn ball shirts. But I, I think he's got the good Zach Tom too out of Wake Forest, another <laughs> offensive lineman. You can stay stay tuned for your breakdown of Falafe at uh, at your three AM Twitter spaces. Uh, your finally, we'll get you out of here on this. Your overall favorite player in the draft. If you had to go down with one guy in the twenty twenty two draft, who are you going with? My favorite player to watch in this class has been Kayvon Thibodeau. He is my edge one. I think Trayvon Walker has everything that you can ask for. And I think the more, the more you dig into Georgia's defense, you find out why maybe he didn't have the production he had or could have had or should have had or didn't have, whatever. Kayvon Thibodeau, Danny Kelly of, um, I think the ringer, his, his player comp for him was a T-Rex strapped to an F-14 fighter jet. <laughs> And holy shit, man, he just gets after it over and over and over again. I think everything that's been said about him is hogwash. If he doesn't go top five, even I, I don't know what the hell GMs are smoking. Um, he just gets it as a pass rusher, the effort stuff. It's, it's, it makes you smile when you're watching tape thinking like, all right, I'm going to look for the effort. I'm going to see if he kind of, you know, has some lazy reps and then you just watch him run down receivers on the other side of the field on plays away from him run down running backs on the other side of the field over and over. And he's like one of the higher effort players that has been so built up in the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm willing to go down with Kayvon Thibodeau. He really doesn't even quite have the ideal build. He, he doesn't have a huge wingspan. He's not this like monster guy. He didn't test otherworldly, but tested well enough. And I think he just gets it. I love his attitude. All the things that have been said about him are the reasons why I like him. In addition to the fact that he makes me smile when I watch his tape because he just wrecks shit, man. Um, game breaker time and time and time and time again, I'm, I'm willing to be on the Titanic with Kayvon Thibodeau. There you go. I love, That's a great I love how we did all those descriptions without using the word motor. Like I was just waiting for a motor to show up at some point. It just it was great. I love that it. and intangible. Those are two words I try to steer clear of. Yeah, I was gonna say, what's intangible. your least favorite? What's your least favorite crutch? Yeah. What's your least favorite draft crutch? I mean, there's nothing like I mean, it's it's wingspan for Jay Billis in the NBA draft, and now he just makes fun of himself every single year right. to back America. Yeah. My my least favorite is intangibles. Um I I, I don't think 
maybe at corner there is some of it, but your intangibles are film study. Like you have played the game already ahead of time. I remember um, what's his name? Chris Spielman, Rick Spielman's brother, the linebacker for the lions. And he was like huge at Ohio state in the eighties, nineties. He was like, he said, I always got, you know, people always said it was intangibles. I used to stay up at night before the game and I would have a job. He like, there was a clip of it too. I think it was in like a football life or 30 for 30 or something. And he would have a giant projector project to the other team. And he would literally line up against the projector and run through his like first five steps of every play. He said he would do it three times. And he was like, people would say that I had intangibles. It was film study. It was like, I, I was working really hard. It wasn't just like they threw me on a football field and I got it. You can't do that in the NFL. And he was like, the reason I was good, I, I ran a, you know, I, I was slow as hell. I wasn't the biggest guy, but I played the game three times before the game already. So the game wasn't even stressful anymore and was a hell of a linebacker, despite not being a, a Supreme athlete. So uh, I hate intangibles very much. So there you go. That sums it up. Well, Spencer, we go on and on, but, and I'm sure you will to the depths of the night. What's your, what's your sleep schedule look like for the rest of the week? Eric is very, very concerned by your sleep schedule. Man, I, no, I love it. Tonight. I love it. Tonight I'll be, let's see, man. I can, I can check my whoop right now. I think last night was like three thirty-five. Oh. <laughs> no you might be the perfect guy for whoop. <laughs> Pardon me. If, if you can see this here, this was, this was four thirty-two AM last night. I uh, had a, had some calls around nine 30. So I was up at like nine Oh five. Tonight I'll probably be up three thirty, four o'clock again. I, I got some, some rankings to finalize some stuff to publish. So I uh, will happily go on limited sleep. And then like Friday night, Saturday night, I'm, I'm going to sleep until like, I'll be out at 11 PM and I'll, I'll wake up at like 11 AM. And I was going to ask what your sleep schedule is like post draft, because that, that that's what I'm more. am am in like, I'm, I'm fully expecting like grades, the, man. the night out. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that can, that can wait, but I'm expecting like the night after not the draft. This, ends. Not in this, not in this economy. You got to get grades out quick, man. I, I'm just you better have I'm, them out before the sixth round. B, you can be a minus man. Yeah. I'm looking for uh, like I want to go to your Twitter and it'd be like 14 straight hours of nothing being like people being like, has anyone heard from Spencer being like, is he okay? And then like one day you're like, like the next day, just being like, all right, 2023 draft prep. We're starting it right now. Let's, let's get this started. Here's my big board. The classic Matt Miller tweet. All right, here's my top five. I wait too early. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It'll, uh, it'll be a shit show. I'll, I'll be sleeping in this weekend. I don't have any huge plans like Sunday. I think there's, I got a brunch around one or something. I'll, I'll be sleeping in probably till 1130 noon, something like that. (laughs) And then, uh, we'll, we'll be writing more articles. Why the Ravens shouldn't have taken freaking Darth Vader with their seventh round pick. I don't know, but <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll figure it out, but thanks so much for having me on. Got guys. Oh, you. Uh, plug yeah. your stuff, plug Plugs. your stuff for this. Yeah. Week. yeah. Yeah. Ravens for dummies on Twitter, uh, Baltimore Beatdown podcast. You can find it anywhere. You can find this one and baltimorebeatdown.com. And that's about it for now, guys. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep on working some things in the, in the wings, hopefully, but from there, that's where you can find me. You're doing, are you guys doing a lot? You did a live show after the first round last year. What is your draft schedule this weekend for podcasting? So we're doing full live stream. Uh, just going to get, it's it's like the most boring one of all time. It's Jake and I just watching the draft, getting drunk, <laughs> eating food, waiting, talking. Uh, we go on the SB Nation flagship podcast about two minutes before the Ravens pick or like right after the other team picks. Uh, through that so the the SB Nation podcast you can find on SB Nation's football page and then we'll be we'll be streaming afterwards through through the 
end of the first round, most likely. And then maybe we'll pop up day two a little bit as well. Um, but, but focused on day one, Thursday night, mainly. Well, we'll see if me and, uh, if me and banks come on drunk again, I'll be watching the whole draft. So you just let us know. Hell yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Spencer, stuff, thanks man. so much for coming on, man. We'll, uh, we'll certainly have you on at some point before the year. You do amazing stuff. It's, it's fun to listen to you talk about football. So I think mm-hmm. all of Ravens, uh, Ravens nation appreciates, uh, what I appreciate you, you guys. I have totally thanks forgot that the Orioles were down six, three, and now it is 10, eight. And I get to go watch the ninth inning. Appreciate you guys. I'll uh, talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. Back to you in the studio. Back on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood. Very much appreciate Spencer's time. I mean, the pterodactyl with the F-14, I know those weren't his words that he grabbed, but that him saying that and then just jumping onto that comparison at the end there uh, was tremendous. He could go on and on all day, as you can see. One of the most prepared guys um, you'll find out there. And I hope that he eventually gets his break to kind of hit the big time because he certainly deserves it and knows his stuff. And I don't think you could ask for a better guy who both understands the draft prospects and evaluation and also really gets what the Ravens are doing. Um, If you're a Ravens fan, I think he's sort of a a guy to follow through the three days to kind of understand, you know, how much he's watching the Ravens every week and how much picks are going to fit into what the Ravens do really a perfect kind of Raven centric draft analyst outside of, you know, obviously the national guys are great. Kuiper's great. McShay, Jeremiah, all those guys are fun to listen to, but um, great to have Spencer on to give it a Ravens spin. I'd like to think of, of him, you know, he mentioned uh, some player in the past that was, you know, doing shadow reps before the all his games or running Chris Beals. I imagine he sits there and watches like old drafts or like mock drafts and just like <laughs> sits there in his lab there and just, you know, thinks about what he's going to say if, if this happens or that happens or what his takes are, like all the, all the possibilities. Like I'm sure he's done this draft three times over already. I think that the other, this could be an interesting week for the Ravens because we, you know, today we had the positive news about Ronnie Stanley's potential return to start 2022, which is huge news. If that is, you know, if he's on track to be ready for week one or anywhere near week one, week two, week three or four, um, that's going to be very big in terms of maybe the decision-making the Ravens have this week. And also, you know, what the Ravens are going to look like and what they're going to solidify um, as we have through the rest of the offseason, not just the three days of the draft. So that was huge news today um, and would be very big in terms of the Ravens. As he talked about at the end, some tremendous stuff breaking down the Ravens offense. Ronnie Stanley is a huge, huge piece in terms of what direction that goes, whether it's good, very good, or elite. He is the piece that potentially makes it elite or keeps it, you know, keeps it from not being bad. Like, he is kind of such a swing player in that. And so it was good to hear that news today. Yeah. And I loved everyone who responded to me tweeting about it that said, Oh, it's crazy what agents say this time of year. Oh, total smokescreen. This all, I just love how everyone's super uh, on their toes about all the possibilities and, and skeptical of what this could mean. That could mean, I, I don't know the time I'd say the timing is a little interesting, but come on. Like, if you, if you can't believe something like that or don't want to believe something like that, like, come on, man, like just take good news for what it is and, and just enjoy it. Like it's, it's, it's such a big deal to have him back potentially. And um, he's, he's had, you know, a whole year to kind of like get things right and recorrected from what was a challenging ankle surgery. So 
Um, I'm optimistic about it, and I think everybody else should be too. Also, like, there's really not as much of a reason for him to smoke screen anything. He's got the money. Like, so publicly, it's not like he's trying to, like, make it seem like he's fine to get paid. In, like, it just I – we'll, I didn't understand that response. That people should be happy. People's theory is that they want – that maybe they want to prevent the Ravens from going out and taking a tackle to replace him in some way. Like, whatever. Yeah, well, here's the thing. If he can't come back, they're replacing him anyway. doesn't matter if they replace him yeah. now or if and they replace him next year. Enough where it's like – yeah, what's well, yeah, what's gonna he's happen? He's getting paid like it's I mean if he's on. playing, he's good enough to start over every left tackle they could take in the next seven drafts. So it doesn't even matter. That's so stupid. Whatever. God, people on Twitter, man. It, Twitter's a tough, tough mm. place. Um, mm. let's move on to the starting five draft presented by Fed Thrill. Uh, Banks, you spent a tremendous weekend in Ocean City this weekend. Um Sun was out. RDT, am I Sun seeing rumblings? You may, you may be in Dewey this weekend. Is that a, a tweet I saw? You were doing like a who are you up tech tweet for like RP, other well, people to hang out with. No, no, no. Like I'm going down to um, Dewey for my buddy's bachelor party. And I know ah. people, this is like the time of year that everyone's starting to head down. And it's like, you know, I'm just seeing what's going on down in Dewey. I love Dewey. It's my favorite. I would hope both of you gentlemen had your Fed Thrill sunglasses on. Or oh, absolutely. Or Friday. This past Friday, I know Baltimore is even hotter, but Ocean City, I got a little sunburn. And I had my sunglasses on too. A little bit of some sunburn, uh, sunglass thing I got, got going on here in my face. Um, we cleared that up a little bit on Sunday, but, you know, you got to have those sunnies out there to protect your eyeballs. So make sure to get those 20% off. Use the promo code EXIT52. Um, get your Fed Thrill sunglasses. We are absolutely on the precipice of summer. I mean, couldn't be more. It's right there. On the precipice of summer and on the precipice of the season, some would say. Some would say. I think that's worth, think that's worth uh, having in mind. Mm-hmm. You'll understand that later. Um, starting five draft of drafts. That's what we're doing. So this is anything involved with a draft. Could be a draft beer. Could be a type of draft. Could be one of the drafts we've done in Exit 52 history. Could be a lot of things. It's the draft of drafts. Banks, you have the first pick. RDT, you have the second pick. I have the third pick. Banks, starting five draft of drafts. Take it away. I'm taking the 1996 NFL draft. Number one overall pick. I can explain. Do I have to explain this? I mean, come on. John Ogden, Ray Lewis, first round. Two All-Famers. Two of the best ever do at the positions. Set this franchise off into off to soaring heights for many years to come. Got to take that draft for sure. Tremendous, tremendous pick. Yep. Uh, an all-time draft performance. Yes. There's not, uh, there's not much to expand on there. I mean, you take two All-Famers in one draft. Yeah. There's an impact player that was also in that that Ravens draft class. Can you name it? Not off the top of my head, and I'm not going to sit here and think about it and make it be bad radio. Mm-hmm. Jermaine Lewis. Mm, terp. Tough. Yeah. I should have probably yeah. gotten there. Should have probably gotten there. Fire me. <laughs> RDT. <laughs> um this is tough. I I don't um I am going to go Let me just go with I'll just take your 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 draft beer after a long day at work. Are you specifically taking draft um, beers or draft beer after a long day of work? 
I'll, I'll make dra- that the. Del- I'll go draft draft or beer after draft beer after a long day at work, like like a Friday <laughs> happy hour draft beer with the boys. There we go. Okay, we go. now I'll, we're I'll bring it home. Right, bringing it home. Because there could be a lot of ruminations of a draft beer, so I feel like I needed to ask for some specificity on what you yep, wanted. There. Yep, I hear you. Thanks for bringing me home on that one. Yep. Uh, not much. That's a tremendous pick. I mean that that's just. And it doesn't really matter what the beer is. No, and like especially this time of year too. Like you said, it's getting warm out. Like we're past that. Like, do I need a sweatshirt? Do I need a like? Yeah, no, no. Just pop on a t-shirt, come out, and who knows where that? You know, you could go there for one beer. You could go there for a couple beers. You could go there, and then you. Next thing you know, it's three a.m. and you're like, I gotta get home. Mm. Left at five o'clock. So. Mm. Good pick. Thank you. Um, God, I mean, there's just, I mean, when you're thinking about a draft of drafts, there's just so many, so many draft possibilities, um, to potentially draft in this draft. Um, I am going to draft, um, I'm going to take draft analysts just to get Mr. Kuiper on my team. Okay. Uh, there's no one I've really looked up to in TV more than Calvert Hall's finest, Mel Kuyper. And I enjoy – this could be a little bit of a reactionary pick after we heard Spencer so eloquently describe, you know, 21 to 23-year-old athletes entering a professional sports league. But, man, when those guys get rolling, there's really nothing better. So I'm going to take draft analysts. Um, I've always respected what those people do, and I'm very entertained by them throughout the year. So I'll start with that. Um, and then I am going to take. Um, hmm. I'm going to take um, your Twitter drafts. There's nothing like storing things in your Twitter drafts. <laughs> That's a good uh, one. That's a really and good one. I think it's one of the most fun things to do to have someone. And I do this with our Maryland accounts. I do this with my own account. I'll tweet it on my own account, but so mostly with Maryland's where I like have something I think is going to be really good. And I either don't pull the trigger because it's not ready yet, or it's, you know, potentially a little controversial. Uh, you just save in the drafts, just throw it in the drafts and you're just waiting for that right moment to use it. Or you're just like, I've prepped the tweet. And you just know you already have it ready to go. It's in the draft. So I'm going to take Twitter drafts. Yeah. There, there's nothing like I got videos and videos just loaded up. Just yeah. Waiting to fire off. Um, the best is like, I like they're like reaction videos like me, like, and I'll just title it like uh drunk guy, dra- like drunk lady dragged off a floor or something like that. Just like randomly on a Tuesday, like renaming it being like, uh, this is how they're going to have to take me out of pickles after the world series game. Just firing it off. Just roll. It's like, a, it's like a Rolodex. It's great. If, if it ever gets deleted, I'm fucked. Angel, Angel Hernandez when he's sitting in the, uh, when he's calling balls and strikes. Exactly. Right. Something like that. Like very, very easy. That's good. That's good so one. I'll take those, t- those two. I love a good, like uh tweet draft. That's just like, Oh, this is a weekly thing that we do or, or something where it's like, Oh, I thought about a good version of this or, Sometimes I even like copy paste multiple drafts of the same tweet. If it's like a certain emoticon or emoji or whatever, that's like 
mm-hmm. I don't know, that just have one in the barrel just so you don't have to Google it and find it. The like in this house, to... in this house, we yeah, need one of blah, those blah, things. Yep. Or like it. Yep. I mean, I used to have so many of the uh, the guy peeking around the corner oh, saying you... something. <laughs> don't let Chris up. Davis get hot. That's what it was. Yeah, big time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, RDT. Um, I'm going to go old school NBA drafts. So this is like anything before like 2010, maybe. Okay. Like, I don't know. I just used to love them. Like, I remember like crowding around the TV watching like Yao Ming. I remember LeBron, like the Yao Ming draft and like looking up to see like, like when Steve Blake got drafted and Juan got drafted, like I was going nuts. And of course, everyone remembers the suits like the bat. The, they could not be any baggier. Every suit was the baggiest thing that's ever been worn. Um, just the, the highest sense of fashion. Um, the awkward photos where guy has a massive afro and he's putting the hat just barely on top of his head. Just a little stuff like that. Um, NBA draft was always so pure. And it was, it was great because it's, it was two round, it's two rounds. It was one night. It was like it starts at 730. It's over by midnight. So like you could sit there and watch like I remember, really like, yeah well yeah they I mean, really it dra- do oh <laughs> my god it drags on because of the I mean you get a lot of the international guys in that second round too um but it's and this kind of is going off of what you're saying Taylor and you could say this about any sport but like just the fact that they they pull those videos on like we got this guy from Slovenia he's played three and a half minutes for this you know the Slovenia national team and they have the 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 everything ready to go and just fire it up. Um, but I don't know something about the NBA draft. Again, you could, we used to go to the bar and just watch the whole, the whole thing and just get it over with. So I was, I always really liked watching those, but only the old school ones when everything was very baggy. So I'll say two things. First of all, the, <laughs> the second round of the NBA draft is one of the worst well, rounds of any draft because it drafts so late, like waiting for th- Here's a thank you for your service. Waiting for Aaron Wiggins to get drafted last year was I was dying trying to stay awake. And I really <laughs> do normally do a job. I will say about the early 2000s drafts, they're not only amazing because of like the fashion and the hijinks. There's also some like great like Stu Scott interview moments and all mm-hmm. these different things. Um, if you go back and read like the Bill Simmons draft diaries, which I actually think are like one of the best things Bill Simmons does uh, or used to do. He doesn't write anymore. Obviously he does the podcast, but um, they're just so many hijinks with the picks like just mm-hmm. teams making clear, horrible decisions that everyone saw coming. Like this guy's so clearly a stiff and not going to be good. And you still took him. Um, there's no better draft. I think for like boom and bust in the moment, like the NBA draft NFL is kind of harder. Like mm-hmm. sometimes with quarterbacks, you're like, well, Johnny Manziel, I mean, is this really like whatever, but you, you can watch the NBA draft and be like, I mean, is Michael Lolo Candy from Pacific really going to be good? Like Anthony Bennett. Anthony Bennett's the mm-hmm. last really good one because he got yeah. he was in the Len draft. And you're just like, there's just no way this guy is an all-star as the number one overall pick. That's The NBA draft, is a, that's why it's amazing. It's just, you can just have just guys that get picked in the top five that just are awful. So I had, I, I had 2003 NBA draft photo on my board. Mm-hmm. specifically Kirk Heinrich. Yep, Kirk. I remember that suit. So I really just wanted the, the suits, like the pick of just like the suits back then. But it is what it is. It's a good pick. Thank you. Like the, like the Carmelo suit. That was that's yeah. that same draft. Oh, yeah, three I mean, NBA drafts. LeBron's oh. suit I don't think was too bad, but like some of that, like some of them were 
just objective. It's an unbelievable photo when all of them are on the stage. It's mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> they look like, and I don't know what the show is, but there's like a meme and he, it's almost like what Caleb does where he wears the oversized suit and he's like a very skinny guy. And it's just very clearly like a 4X suit. It's a, it's some meme and I don't know what it is, but that's that, that picture reminds me of it every single time. <laughs> God, I'm just going through. I'm just going back through NBA drafts right now. It's just absolutely awful. NBA drafts are maybe some of the best drafts to go back through and look. They're so good. Actually, they did. Speaking of Simmons, that he did an awesome um, thing during the pandemic where he would go and like redraft the um, like I think from like '95 to like 2007 or something. They're very fun listens because some of the decisions made at the top of the draft are just just so incredibly bad. Who was so the Who bad. was the ESPN guy that got that got caught a couple years ago editing his old mock mock draft? I think Chad Ford, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think it was Chad mm, Ford. Yeah, what a, what yeah. a funny thing to do! Like, yeah. Well, a, Chad Ford's <laughs> biggest, like his big. I actually think Chad Ford's good when you listen to him. His biggest thing is he his, he was the Darko Milicic guy. He was like heavy, <laughs> heavy, heavy on Darko Milicic. <laughs> And uh, that obviously did not go very well. But it's it's just tough. The international guys is tough. Now they figured that out. I think the international guys. But remember that, like, Yi John Leon, like, working out against mm-hmm. the chair. Like, there's just so much good. <laughs> That's the guy I was trying stuff. to think of. Yeah. So. That's an, uh, that's an all-time workout video. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's yeah. just so – or, like, ones that go the other way where I remember watching Giannis against, like, the eighth graders from mm-hmm. Greece, and you're like, I mean, really? And now he's, you know – He's never Giannis. played anyone, Paul. Yeah, and they said it's like Fran Fischella who like is just sitting on the outskirts of the set, and he's like, "Yeah, I remember watching you know the U seventeen Euros back in twenty seventeen, and he really flourishes the sixth man for the Greek national team." Like, I mean, I mean okay, sure, Whatever. buddy. Oh, so good, so good. I love the NBA draft. It's so good. Uh, bang, she got you, John. That went sixth overall. Went ahead of Joakim Noah, and then really not that many other people like. Pateri Kapanen was the 30 overall pick in this draft of the Sixers. Uh, just never, never played the NBA. <laughs> Picked in the first round, never played in the league. Um, Banks, you have two. I am taking cornerstone drafts. Cornerstone mm. off the grill, College Park, Route 1. Um, I think a 22-ounce mug. They call big-ass drafts. I don't even remember what the deal was. It was 10 bucks for the mug, and then it's 350 to fill it for the rest of your college career. I still have my mug. I drank out of that thing the night we won the Super Bowl. I don't know how that thing made it home. I probably bought another one, to be honest. But, yeah, cornerstone drafts. Sunday fun day. It's Sundays only, by the way. But yeah, good pick. Cornerstone drafts. Lauren has her mug here, too, and, like, yeah. After like she works out or something, I'll see it like she'll just fill it with ice and water, and I'm like, yeah, you're just that's a big old you're chugging that thing. Mm-hmm. It's a good pick. It's just a good, good, good local pick. Good so. solid local pick. <clears throat> Got another one. I am taking Calcutta auction drafts. So I, I try. I wanted some sort of fantasy sports draft of some sort, and this is just the king of them to me. And I don't think enough people know about the concept of them. Um, they're awesome for golf tournaments. I know that they're commonplace with horse racing. Um, basically you auction off the entire, well, the way we do it for ours, uh, Taylor and I amongst our friends was, I think everybody who's within 101 odds for a given golf tournament gets auctioned off and you can pay, people can 
bid on them for as big or as little as you want. And then the amount of money that gets put in the pot, um, you just, you grow a pot to a certain size. And then at, depending on the results of a tournament or whatever it might be, um, you know, the winner gets, I don't know, 45% or in second place, whatever. It doesn't matter. You can make it whatever you want. And during the course of golf tournament or another thing like that, you can, um, you can sell those players live if you want, you know, if, if you bought a player for $10, but they're likely, you know, they're in first place through two days and they got a good chance to win a $500 pot. You can sell that player for 200 bucks, get off the boat right there. You know, you can, you know, get a group chat going, sell it. Um, and then just the, the entire vibe of the auction itself is tremendous. It's so good. I think everybody should. Every, if you're, if you're a golf person, you should be doing this with your friends. Like if you have a good enough group of friends that like golf, you need, I don't know, six or seven guys probably that are into it. Maybe not even that many, but that's like, if you have double digits, it's nice. Just to have, I like a, a dozen, people. a dozen is a nice number. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's incredibly fun to do it. It's incredibly setting the number is so fun. That's my favorite thing to do. Allegedly. Yeah. And then I don't, I don't bet on you're sports, kind of tracking March madness <laughs> is another good opportunity for this, by the way. Yes. Um, and yes. I don't bet on March madness. Nail down the points for it necessarily like as to what the payouts are for certain steps like that's a, a great way to do it but the, another fun thing to do is like everybody who's below 100 to 1 at the end you just auction off the field as a whole so you can buy a pool of 44 players or whatever it is a whole bunch of players and they're yours to have and if one of them finishes near the top of the leaderboard like you get the payout for that so the field has potential to be a massive auction in itself and then you can sell the individual players during the course of it, not just the entire pool. So it's like you have all the all kinds of chips if you go by the field. So, yeah, I'm just nerding out about Calcutta drafts. I love them. Absolutely. They're fun. It's a great – So yeah. many – I get, especially now with the golf that stuff that I'm doing, like I get so many emails or DMs or whatever, like, hey, man, like figured I'd send your way. Like maybe you want to join this, this, this master's pool. And it's always like – you know, pool A of six players, pick one, and then pool two, like pick two of these, three of these, whatever. Like, there's those are so tired. I'm so tired of those things, and they're I'm in what yeah, they're I'm allegedly yeah, those. yeah. Um, don't do that. Do a Calcutta. It's an event, like a Tuesday of Masters Week or whatever night you want to make it. It's an event. And it's you awesome. just do it. You don't have to get together. You just do it over text. Oh yeah, text allegedly. You know, some, yeah, allegedly. Um, RDT, great pick. Um, I am gonna go with our hotel draft. Oh, one, that was one that good. we did. That was, I think that was a, that was a really that was a great one. draft. And I'm just I'm scrolling back through looking at all like Taylor Taylor in the omelet bar one one. Um, Banks following it up with hotel beers at the or slash bar to hotel uh, hotel a, AC. That's a yeah yeah the bath. I'm again I'm just reading how, how Taylor. I forgot it. about the bathtub. Yep. Uh, getting hammered at the hotel bar, ice machine, Banks is a big ice machine guy, hotel bed sleep, nothing like it, video game built into the TV, connected rooms, how hot the shower goes, vending machines. I mean, this is, it's great. The mini yeah, I had to go, I had to go in my highfalutin soapbox with the, with the video game system. In the, Again, in the I, I never, I've never, I've seen it like in uh, movies or something, God. pictures. I've never, I've never witnessed it with my own eyes. Mm. I, I don't know. I, and to be honest with you, I would be pretty stunned if that exists anywhere now. No, there's like, no that's way. over. Like yeah. that is legitimately done. Like now they yeah. just have smart TVs in your room. Yep. Um, that. And and you know, 
honestly, hotels were ahead of the game in essentially smart TVs. Yeah. 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 That's true. Like the amount of things you could, like, I guess it's essentially pay per view or like on demand, but like you had, it was just on your TV on a regular cable TV, not like, you know, you didn't have digital cable in a hotel, but you were still able to, you know, order any of the normal or risque movies you wanted. Mm-hmm. I do think that like there's, there's so much truth to that, but there was a, a period of time where I think the hotels, because they were early, they just had all these TV units and the smart t- TV technology that we have in our homes, like blew past it at a certain point and hotels still had this particular TV in there yeah. and navigating it that once you got used to like a smart TV at home that actually knows like, move quickly and knows what it's doing mm-hmm. frustrating especially with these like clunky remotes and stuff uh, we're doing are yeah. we doing a hotel draft right now yeah we could yeah, they're, they're, starting to, they're, starting to, they're, they're definitely starting to get there they're start, definitely starting to get that together but i agree with you it was like very fresh the technology gap was frustrating because you know unless it was like a really new hotel they hadn't like switched all around they're starting to get there where you can like easily log into your netflix or your hulu or whatever on your um yeah, remember when you had to bring like an HDMI cable to like watch stuff through the oh my gosh, hotels are the best. Mm-hmm. I, and there's just nothing like a hotel. Um, all right, I have two here. Um, that was I that might be our best draft. I think that might that's definitely I thought Fears was very good last week. What'd you say? I thought Fears was, was, Fears was good. good Fears was good. Fears was good. It just Fears hasn't had good. a lot of time to to settle into a place of among our best drafts because it's so fresh. But um, okay. Uh, what do I want to do here? Um, I am going to take. I don't know if there are many better feelings in school than finishing the first draft. Mm, just getting the that. first draft of a paper done because then you knew you were in the home stretch and you just had to edit and get stuff. So I'm going to take the first draft. Just finishing the first draft. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do that first. Um, and I, especially as, you know, a dyslexic, know this road. <laughs> as a dyslexic, you know, this was a little bit harder for me. So, um, you know, I think people need to keep that in mind, you know, you regular people that accomplishment might not feel as big, but you know, when you have a learning disability, it's a little bit different. So just keep and ADHD. I wanted people to keep that in mind too. I couldn't focus. So, you know, getting that together, people, you know, People need to keep those things in mind when, when they're thinking about me. Okay. It's all about context. Um, so look, you know, can't pay attention, can't read, you know, those are things that people struggle with, you know, what I know, you know, thanks to RDT, they live their perfect lives. Not me. Um, and then after that, I can't even get to that with straight face. And then after that, um, Hmm. I know I can get this at the end, so I'm not going to take this yet. Oh man, I'm very, very torn here. Very, very torn. Uh, I'm going to take. I'm going to take a fantasy draft, just a regular fantasy football draft. Get together with your buddies, draft. It's always sort of the kick, one of the kickoffs of football season is a fantasy draft. So I'm just taking an old school fantasy snake draft. Uh, it really always delivers unless you are in a league that is just toxic. You know, some would say, you know, I'm in a league that some have considered toxic. Um, 
or you're just like doing it wrong. Fantasy drafts are always very fun. So I'm taking a fantasy draft. It's fantasy snake draft. Fantasy football, fantasy football snake draft. Sorry. A good one. Very good one. Um, um, back to me right now, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go war drafts. I think uh, they were. I... <laughs> uh, Say that again? Uh, no. he's, he's taking a military draft. Yeah, drafts for the war. Oh, my God. Just, I'm, I'm just, you know, we're talking Muhammad about. Muhammad Ali is absolutely rolling over at his grave right now. We're talking about history, you know. It's disgusting. That's horrible. I think it's important. I think it's what's maybe... going on in Ukraine right now, and you're going to make that joke. <laughs> I that's I mean, that's, that's awful. <laughs> I think it's something that this country needs to uh, reinvest itself in. <laughs> yeah, I'm just you saying, are, you yeah. are a bad guy. Oh my! Those are the thirty, right? Uh-huh. This might this <laughs> might usurp. This might usurp. Well, I don't. Let me tell you what. <laughs> I was going to take some of my last draft pick. I might be changing. You took pineapples last week as a fear, which was absolutely insane. You've yeah, also hey, taken. Hey, don't judge me yellow, for being scared of something. Yellow laffy. That's fair. I did just ask for you know. <laughs> Are you mocking my fears? I did just ask for peace and love in terms of my dyslexia, so I <laughs> probably shouldn't do that. But speaking of peace and love, you couldn't like it less with your war draft pick. I mean, what are we doing here? Hey, just you know, I think yeah, you know, some of these God. some of these people all bark no bite. I think they need to either oh suit up or God. shut up. You know. God. Oh. Uh, I hope your daughter's asleep and not hearing this horrible talk. Of course she's asleep. Mm. Did you get a kiss Of course I did. Happy. For Didn't you. see it on camera. Pixar didn't no, have we that. were jumping off the couch, though. We did that. You did. I did see you guys jump off the couch. You weren't here for that, Banks. We did get a nice moment. She looked like she was feeling better. She's feeling a lot better. Thank God for kids Tylenol. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Banks, you have two to finish off your draft here. I'm taking need for speed drafting. You got to build Ooh. them points up. You got to get them points. Mm-hmm. You got to get that NAS going. Mm-hmm. Best way to do that, hop behind a car for a little bit, get them points rolling, and then... <laughs> Oh yeah, we're out here. That's such a good game. Need like Need so for Speed Two, Need for oh. Speed Hot Pursuit Two is Hot an all time game. Oh my god, Need for Speed Skyline. Underground Two, Need for Speed Most Wanted. I love just absolutely demolishing. Uh, what were they? Roadblocks or whatever. Oh, great! Yeah, they had a really good run of games. I don't know if they're still coming out with Need for Speed games. Maybe they are. Let's see. I'll search as we talk. Uh, those games were great though. Great. They were really, so really much really fun. Good. So did good. you guys play like um, any of the other, not that these were like, but did you guys play like Forza Motorsport or any of those? I played like Gran Turismo. Yeah. Gran Turismo is the other one in that, in that uh, Forza was really cool. They just at a certain point got those games. That's why I need for Steve's fun. They got those like Gran Turismo and Forza. Those games just got too complicated. Like, yeah. I just want to race the cars. I really don't want to like sit there for 45 minutes and, you know, tune it. I, I, you know, if I wanted to do that, I would get into cars. I don't need to do that on a video, but, but I guess people are into that. I don't know. Yeah. And like, they're like, I remember like Forza and at least Gran Turismo was like, if you wrecked your car, the car wasn't wrecked. It was just like, Oh, you have a hundred percent damage. You need to go get it fixed. As in with need for speed. Like if you totaled your car was totaled and I don't know. I was like, like I always thought that was cool. I was like seeing all that need but. for speed heat released in 2019 for Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and uh, Windows. May have to look that uh, up. Is your last, is your last um, Need for Speed game. Mixed reviews, but an improvement apparently over the 2015 Need for Speed reboot. 
and need for speed payback, but not enough to be a full return to form for the franchise. Well, never forget need for speed, hot pursuit. It's freaking unbelievable. Good pick. One more for you. Uh, as far as it, as far as this lasted this long, because it feels like a, just a pick that's right in front of you, but draft lotteries, uh, I think it's just a, you know, mm. you could talk about the merit of them if they're necessary or they should exist. I'd probably lean towards the side of them. They shouldn't exist, but the fact that they do and they're exciting and it's something to like tune in for if you're a losing team and get real fired up about. And like, of course, you never, you never get, you know, rarely get something better than what you expect, but like it's still a fun concept and it's, I'm here for it. I go back and forth on the draft lottery. It's very polarizing in my own mind. Sometimes I think it's really entertaining. When it goes totally to form, it's one of the most boring things you can watch. Like, there has to be a weird thing that happens for it. Otherwise, it's just awful. As a concept, it's okay. That would be my draft lottery take. My my issue with the concept of it is, like, I, I can't stand some sports have and some don't. And the ones that, like, think that creating a, a lottery is going to change – or alter the concept of tanking like they're linked intrinsically and i can't stand it mm-hmm. agreed that's very I'm well still take, i'm still taking it in the fifth round here yep um all right rdt i really don't know where you can go from here you got one all right more. this this is like a i don't know if you guys were ever aware of this did you guys ever read the emmett smith mock drafts on walterfootball.com I have no clue what that is. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> so remember when Emmett Smith was like, he was an analyst for a little bit and he was never like, he, he was, he was never the smartest yeah. guy. He was terrible. <laughs> he was very bad. He was awful with words. Awful no with district words. Emmett. So, so here we go. So this guy, maybe in like 20, like 2007, 2008, he, he has Emmett Smith mock drafts going back to 2008. And he does these mock drafts where he pretends to be Emmett Smith. So he like this, this mock draft. And I'll, I'll just read off this first pick to you. Jacksonville Jaguars, Jaguars, Spencer Riddler, quarterback, Cincinnati. Everyone say that Mel Cooper, the best NFL dran- a- analyst on USPN, Mel Kuyper, Mel Cooper say the other day that Lawrence Taylor do horrible job of quarterback on Jaguar. He throw a lot of intersections and make a lot of bad intersections as well. This is not a good formula for win games. In fact, it is recipe for lost. And like, it's literally just a full mock draft of stuff. Like, like a this. parody. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's so, it's so funny. Like he wow. has Desmond Riddler going again at number this. nine. It's if, but it's like back when Emmett Smith was getting mocked openly, like for being bad. So it was like right in that wheelhouse. Like, he has Baltimore Ravens picking Chris Cross, offensive tackle, Mississippi State. Lamar Jaskin always running for his lives, so it is shame that he is not Cat. When a cat die, he come back a life. That because Cat have twelve life, and it's just, it's the funniest stuff in the world. Like you've got to, if you have time, you've got to go back and check. He has Bernard Rainman going fifteenth and sixteenth, both to the Eagles. It's just, it's the funniest stuff. It's very like early internet, where it was just very easy to make fun of stuff. Like now people would probably be like, you can't really do this because you're mocking Emmett Smith and he's not that smart, but it's very funny. Good stuff. Check, it out. check that out. I have no reference point for that. It's so good. It also may break your computer because my computer is buzzing right now. 
So I'm between two. The need for speed pick may influence this because one is has to do with the racing. The other one is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, I'll take the one near and dear to my heart, and this will be my first honorable mention the other one. I'm taking the WWE draft. One of the most ridiculous things of all time, but that has just created some unbelievable moments in WWE. Um, I'm taking the WWE draft. I, I could describe this to you guys. It's not really worth it. You've never seen it. So it's sort of similar to Eric's last pick. But God, do I love the WWE. It's just just a manufactured draft that they act like is a real draft, but has created some awesome like return moments, um, some awesome uh, hijinks on the stage, WWE. Sometimes they totally fuck it up and it sucks. It just creates a lot of controversy. So I'm going to go WWE draft on last pick. All right. Banks took the 1996 NFL draft, the corner, cornerstone drafts, Calcutta auction drafts. And if you want more on the Calcutta auction drafts, Banks is doing 90 minutes in Twitter spaces on that after the show, after the show. Um, so make sure to tune into that. Mm-hmm, need, mm-hmm. need for need for speed drafting and the draft lottery. RDT took Friday happy hour draft beers. He kind of took beers off the board at that point until the cornerstone drafts. The NBA draft before 2010. Our hotel draft, war drafts, and Emmett Smith mock drafts. That put that thing's all over the place. I took draft analysts, Twitter drafts. You're the first finishing the first draft. It's a lot of draft. Fantasy football snake drafts and the WWE draft. My honorable mention that he didn't take as a racing getter went was bump drafting. Just a little bump draft in NASCAR. Always a fun thing. Though. I figured you might go down that road a little yep. bit. So mm-hmm. uh, my other yeah. honorable mentions, uh, I just had the NBA draft in general. Uh, draft busts. Um, uh, drafts yeah. in your drafts in your notes on uh, your iPhone. Um, and a nice draft coming through a room or coming through a room. When you, you know. Oh, that's a good pick. That would have been a good one. Yeah. Uh, board. I had w, had to get my WWE pander in there instead of taking that. So you know, was, I, I had w, WNBA draft on my board. Oof. Some man of honor who appreciates quality and things of that nature. Um, the WNBA draft was a tough one. I, I, transparency: I watched the WNBA draft this year. Um, they got to figure that out. They got to figure that out. <laughs> careful. Yeah. No, I just, it's not a, the funny part about it is they have stars that are going to be in the, this year was a little light on the stars. We are fishing off the rails here. If you talk about this, but um, star power, just like the draft show wasn't that good. They just, they just, they they need to figure out the analysts a little bit. They have talented people on it. I won't go too much. You guys go ahead. You're on a bunch. Loose drafts, no free ads. I, I, did you get a follow from heavy seas on Twitter? Maybe a while back. I'm not uh, sure. I, I got one a couple weeks ago. Got me pretty excited. Yeah. Uh, I had one more that I forgot. Shoot. Uh, you guys basically took all the ones that I had. Mm. I also had drafting a response. <laughs> I uh, Worst drafts email drafts that like just like stay in that folder for oh, like, no just, horrible, just yeah. horrible, fucking get horrible, it out of the folder i don't care horrible like, discard draft yes I'll that might it. be easily one one for the worst drafts yeah that's- uh and the mlb you're draft. taking that lower horrible. than 
lower than military drafts. Oh yeah, true. I mean, that's <laughs> I, mean, I consider that off the board, but that, you know, Eric is you know he's got to bring it on the MLB draft. Honestly, Sorry, I'm old school. Though. Maybe the MLB draft is worse than military drafts. What a horrible draft the MLB draft is. You they, couldn't they have, spin it as like doing your your citizenly duty, like. Yeah, you're saying my people of Israel. Well, they don't oh, oh, come on! What are we talking about here? Oh, my, Taylor, on. keep going on the WNBA. Keep draft. it moving. <laughs> like, just try and turn me into a war criminal. God, yeah, maybe I should have just gone for 20 minutes with the WNBA draft so we can avoid, you know, getting into religion. I mean, good lord, <laughs> we already took Jesus. Jesus got taken in a draft like three weeks ago. He got taken in like three drafts. Yeah, yeah, he's all over the place. Uh. <laughs> I mean, literally. Yeah. Yes. He was in drafts. He, he was Nick Inter Medley. Kind of idea, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Oh, my God. I mean, God. come on. Learn something one time. All You're right. too busy thinking about military drafts. Bring it home. We're, we're really getting off the rails now. The MLB draft. I just <laughs> I want to hammer terrible. the MLB draft like it deserves. That draft <laughs> has sucked forever. It's long. It, it's now they've shortened the rounds, so maybe it's better now. I don't know. The only best part about it was when I worked with Maryland baseball, seeing our guys get drafted. It's the only thing that made that thing tolerable. Okay, it, that's they, the draft draft. They started to set up the MLB draft with that Harper Machado draft, where where it was like, okay, we're going to make an event of it, and mm-hmm. we're going to use this as a springboard because it's obviously a historic and monumental draft that they had there. They just did not parlay that whatsoever, which is well, shocking of baseball, they, really. It's not like them. They send like yeah. 10 random dudes to Secaucus and like three of them yeah. are high school players. One of them's a guy that like lost in their conference. Let's, baseball let's just place. Like dim the lights in our MLB network studio yeah, that we who use plays for like New Mexico <laughs> state and happens to be like the 10th best prospect. What they have to do, what they have to do. They need to move it three weeks. They need to do it in Omaha and they need to do it in the four days with a little break after the college world series ends, you keep the kids that played in the college world series in Omaha for the draft. You do the first two rounds on TV live from Omaha. You have your college players there. The college season is over and you send all the college players down there and you do it like a real green room draft. That's interesting. The way they do it now, the way they do it now during the regionals of the super regionals guys are getting drafted while playing. It is so stupid. Dansby Swanson got picked. And like, we've talked about this in the platform, like yeah. an hour before a super regional game. It's insane. Yeah. Baseball is so dumb. I we could kill baseball every single week for the stuff. Well, they well didn't they, they moved it to the um the all-star week? Didn't they start doing that last last year? I think well, I don't know. Last, still with COVID, COVID, tweaks, with yeah. COVID they, they were gonna yeah. move it, they were gonna do something with it, and I don't know what that is now gonna be. So uh, uh, maybe they'll but yeah, because the other part about it is guys are coming through systems a little bit quicker, I feel like. Like, in college baseball, a little more notoriety. So you kind of know, like, you'll see a guy that's a – if he's a three-year college player, he could be – like, Spencer Torkelson did not take him very long to get to the majors. Like, that's a guy you could have had in the green room instead of, like, you know, sitting in the – you know, his room and wherever the hell he was at Cal and being like, oh, let's, like, bring him on. Like, hey, Harold Reynolds, what are your two questions for him? Like, Let's have the guy like Jake Rob Manfred's head. Now everyone also bring some fans so they can boo Rob Rob Manfred. That's how you create a heel there. in baseball. Create thanks, a heel. Thank you for leading me into what I remember what my honorable mention was that I forgot. It was New York Jets fans 
at Radio City yeah. Music Hall. Yeah, that video it's the, you know what? Funny. I the, the pick the pick that I would have actually taken one one, and I thought about it. The Jets draft montage they play every single year, but they haven't edited for 15 <laughs> years, and it plays every. It is so unbelievably funny every single draft. God bless ESPN for continuing to play that. And the Jets make it easy. It gets played at nine o'clock every year because they stink and they draft every Goes the the Jets the what is it like with the with the eighth pick the New York Jets draft fullback and you hear a guy go no <laughs> and he just loses it. <laughs> I think that that may have been like the Warren Sapp draft. They're like, yeah, give me Warren, give me Warren. And you hear fullback and the guy like sounds like he's getting stabbed to death. Like no, it's amazing. <laughs> Amazing video. Nick Kenny Medley mail and person of the week. RDT. Adley's back. Double walk. Scored a run. Had a hard line out to left field in Aberdeen tonight, and it sounded like a gunshot. He's back, like we talked about earlier. It's it's just a matter of time. Future is here. It's arriving. I'm glad that he's gonna get his own day too when he when he debuts. He's not gonna have to share it on opening day with like J Rod and Torkelson and Hunter Green and Bobby Witt and all those guys, but why don't they do it with Grace? That'd be sick. Well, well, again, if we're talking about the Orioles here, if they want, they could do that, but you could do it twice and you get double ticket sales. You know, that's what I thought they. That I said that that would be an instant sellout. I think if they announced Grayson and Adley on the same day, that'd be solid. That'd be solid. Thanks, Jamaica, USA. I'm, I'm declaring it like. And month early, like summer's here. Went to Secrets, had many pains in the ass. It delivered, always does. Secrets. Even uh, stopped by for a little Bloody Mary contest. Did not partake, but others in my party did. A little Bloody Mary contest on Sunday. Wow. Love it. Yeah, it's back. I enjoyed the the content I got from it. Yeah, it was so nice, to mm-hmm. nice to see. Nice to see. While you were enjoying, um, Jamaican USA. Uh, I was enjoying a Saturday of tremendous lacrosse in the University of Maryland. And that is my pick. Women's team won the Big Ten, beat Northwestern, beat them soundly. Kathy mm. Reese and the gals trounced the Wildcats. See ya. Head back to Evanston. We'll back. take the Big Ten title. And then John Tillman's men just put the beating. I put a beating on Hopkins. Tremendous performance. They look awesome. They are really fun to watch. They're super offensive. They're the great transition. As Tills' teams always are, they play really tight defense and they they beat Hopkins. And then one of the one of the underrated rivals in college sports, Maryland Hopkins lacrosse, has a ton of history to it. And um, the Terps certainly were up to their end of the bargain. Hopkins struggling this year, so hopefully they can get it back together because that that game's way better when both those teams are really really good. But the Terps are humming on all cylinders, so hopefully uh, should be another fun Memorial Day weekend for um, people that care about Maryland lacrosse. And an amazing scene in terms of Baltimore. Or a Baltimore specific pod, just an awesome crowded Homewood Field for that game, like pretty much full, um, both sides of the grandstands and just like the standing room, really really cool. And that's like a just like a very you know, you're not getting that scene anywhere else in the country for that sport for the most part. Um, maybe some things in Long Island or you know Syracuse or whatever, but just the you know cool stuff. It was just all kids and like all the different Baltimore high schools. It was just like a very local. I they bring their so. spoons. Saw some spoons at the game. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah, saw some spoons. Um, Should bring so. your spoon. 
did not put my spoon in the bag was, you know, doing some content stuff throughout the day. So, uh, didn't partake in my, you know, in my lax rat history. Um, but love that sport. I love that sport. And the uh, final score extremely- 22 to eight, mm. 22 to six. Yeah. Oof. That for the, for the men, they, they think they outscored Hopkins like 13, nothing in the third quarter, something crazy like that. It was, um, it was a tough one for a, for a very proud Hopkins program friends that, you know, 10, nothing in the third quarter, they were up, um, they were up 22 to four at the end of the third quarter. And then sure. they put in the third and fourth stringers and score again. But uh, so, yeah, really, really, uh, really impressive performance from them. So any honorable mentions from anybody? Um, I'm going to do a pre honorable mention. We own the city, the new, uh, I know we talked about it before the um, Justin Fenton, the, the Baltimore uh, police show on HBO Apparently it's, 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 it's very, very similar to the wire. I've heard nothing but good, great things about it. I tried to watch it last night, but my wife uh, did not know our HBO login on the laptop and I didn't mm. want to move down to the PlayStation to watch it. So I will be watching it tomorrow. Um, again, I've heard nothing but good stuff. It looks really, really awesome. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. Thanks. Uh, just ocean city golf courses. Just just getting off. Of, I mean, I, for a a thirty one year old bender at this point in my life, I mean, this is this is pretty much the extent of it. There, it's a little secrets. It's a little bit, a little bit of golf. It's uh, maybe mix in a couple other bars, maybe a little Johnny's Pizza Pub. There you have it. Some good outdoor drinks. Absolutely. I mean, that's a that's a good day and a good night, man. Mm-hmm. It's a good day. And that's a good correct. Night. Um. My honorable mentions, um, I have two. Um, one is friend of the show, Keith Sneddon, who now works in Las Vegas. They released the name of their team, the Desert Dogs, for the NLL team there on Spit and Chicklets, which is very cool. Wayne Gretzky announced name. it. So uh, the Las Vegas Desert Dogs, I'm wearing my Las Vegas lacrosse um, coming in hot sweatpants right now in honor of him and their big day. So shout out to those guys. And uh, it's a very lacrosse-centric uh, thing I'm doing here. My final one is I'd never gotten into this show, and a million people told me to watch it, and I started watching it this week. No, it's not The Wire. Um, Ted Lasso, incredible. Oh, God. <laughs> it's incredible. It's such a good show. That Oh God is maybe the worst Oh God of all time. That show has, <laughs> is so funny and has a ton of heart. Love that show. Great show. Good I've job, never, I've Sanders. never seen it. My wife watched it a couple weeks ago. And was like, oh, you should watch it. And I was just like, I've, I've, I've passed it. Like, I'm too – because now I can't get on Twitter and be like, did anyone remember in this episode? Like, I can't do Text that. Text me. I think Text, it's start so watching. Early. It's two seasons in. It's, yeah, it's two it's, seasons in. Watch the for show. And make you a happier person. Yeah. Still, Great show. Uh, I don't know. It is. I don't know. Yeah. And well, I'm a, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm a poo-poo won't. guy. I'm a big poo-poo guy, and I'm saying – yeah, go ahead and watch it. So should I watch maybe, it before I maybe. watch The Sopranos? Kyle too. Yeah, well, you're probably gonna watch. You're probably gonna watch Band of Brothers and think about wars. I mean, that's probably what you're gonna do. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, gonna watch Saving Private Ryan. You're probably like, you know, like, hey, look at those guys out there fighting for their country. Yeah, look at them. Yeah. Fighting, yeah. Brave Not by their men. choice, though. 
Yeah. <laughs> probably watching. Probably <laughs> that guy had bone like, spurs. He couldn't go. Well, honestly, after, after your revelations about how you like sit and like look up, you know, crime videos, I'm yeah. surprised you're not deep into like. Surprised you know, take, take draft Dodgers right after that. <laughs> yeah. Dodger. No, that's I know that that's that's your guy. That's not my guy. What are you talking about? 45 47 that's cap what what was pick uh, one, what is that what was pick 196 <laughs> it was nothing i just wanted it was to absolutely nothing it. Yeah, i'm absolutely googling nothing. like 196 <laughs> players I drafted, turn when you and i'm that. like what so the bad. hell I think my favorite part about it, it was either you were going to laugh because I was clearly joking or your wheels are going to turn because you thought I had you on something you couldn't remember. And it was the latter. And that worked out great. I'm looking it up and I'm like, 10 seconds. I was like, no, that Taylor's just fucking with him there. I'm like, the Giants <laughs> draft Gary Brightwell 196 in 2021. Okay. Sick. <laughs> Glad we got that figured out. You know what's actually funny is you just talked about. Uh, J Rod, and I just looked up J Rod's stats because I was wondering how he was. He's literally batting 196. Yeah. <laughs> so really, not all great. Around. Not great. Send him. Who's been the, the best of those guys? How's Whit been? I Whit, Whit, Whit has not been. Whit, Whit has not been doing great. Torkelson did not start out great. Um, he's had a couple home runs, but I don't think his average is anything special. So um, makes, can I give someone credit that I never give credit to? It's what makes what Mike Trout did incredibly special. Yeah, he's. Um, but, um, he's Buster done, only he's said done, he thinks. He thinks Trout's going to hit 60, hit 60. Home runs this year. He's never hit more than 45. Buster's off his rocker. I know. He's really, and if he hits 60, they'll finish 79 and 83. If, so, like, if, if he hits matter. 60, you have to buy a jersey. They have to make the playoffs. He has to hit 55 more home runs in they 145 to, I games. I can't in good conscience. He has to make do that and make the playoffs. I'll, all right. I'll buy you a jersey if he hits 60 home runs. Okay. I will buy it if he hits 60 and they make, and they the, make playoffs. the playoffs. Okay. Because I can't do it if they don't make the playoffs. My whole thing is that he doesn't win. I don't care about the individual numbers. but Okay. Okay. His rookie year. I was just looking. For some reason, I got on his baseball reference earlier. Oh, it was because I read that article. That's exactly why. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's never been like a 50 home run guy. Like, what is Buster talking about? <laughs> yeah, Buster's. Not, I mean, never, you know, never question what Mike Trout does during the regular season. He's amazing, but. Well, that's the podcast this week. Uh, We're going to have some sort of podcast situation for the draft. We are still um, defining those plans. Um, So we will have, you know, whether it's a first round incident analysis or some sort of weekend incident analysis, we may just record early in the week, next week, like a Monday night record um, to kind of go through the draft. um, And Banks can give us very well-informed grades and whatnot. Um, so we'll, we'll figure out – we're going to figure out something in that, Vince, but make sure to, uh, to obviously have enjoyed this show, and uh, then we'll have some, some draft coverage next week and continue talking to those and all that, that good stuff. So stay tuned for that. You can follow us on Twitter at x 2 on Twitter and Instagram – or excuse me, follow us on Twitter at, at Twitter and Instagram. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at x 2 podcast. We're talking too much. I got way too much war thought in my mind now. I mean, God. <laughs> You can follow Eric at E-D-I-T-T-I. I can't even stop. Follow Eric. Follow Banks. Follow me. I'm, Watch the NFL I'm, Draft Show. Yeah. Barstool yeah. NFL Show. Barstool NFL Draft Show. NFL. You know, I, I don't even know if I want people to follow RIT this week. I, I, RIT is really just, you know, I don't know. I don't know where his head is right now. It's it's. I'm in a good spot. I'm laughing at the Tigers. 
they, they just did a tweet final period. If you see how they lost, you would know why. Well, how they lose? It, I can't even explain it. You'll have to watch it. I have they to played see the Twins. Reaction. Yeah, it was it was like an all time. It's like one of the worst plays I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I can't wait to watch that when we get yeah, off. Very here. very. Fun. Um, support all of our uh, support all our supporters. Um, Jimmy Seafood, Fed Thrill, Thread Level Midnight, all of our friends. Very much appreciate them. Thanks once again to Spencer Schultz for coming on the show. Make sure to follow him at Ravens for Dummies. Just some tremendous stuff, and uh, they're doing some draft stuff. Him and, and Jake Luke, our buddies over there at Baltimore Beat Town. Make sure to follow their stuff this week. They will do a tremendous job as they usually do. We will see you next time on the Exit Fifty Two podcast presented by Jimmy's Seafood.